0: The following podcast is brought to you by cdkoffers.com. Use offer code Dyeshrink for 3% off everything on the website and Broken Silicon for 25% off all Windows codes. All right, on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Tom, and I am joined today as I am for every news episode by my co-host, Dan. How
1: you doing, Dan? Pretty good, I guess. Got to go uh go remotely to a fun conference in jolly old England today, Tom. So all right, go remotely. So you yeah, did not. So go. I watched a bunch of speeches.
0: <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, as of this recording, I, yeah, about a week after this comes out, it will be hot chips. I will be going to my office to watch the press conferences for another year in a row. Unfortunately, can't go in person. It's, it's funny. It's funny, actually, when I signed up for the hot chips tickets, they actually had like a little survey that was like, oh, next year, do you want this to be in person? And even though it will, and it's like, even though it will cost more. And I'm like, yes. Yes. Yeah, that's the point, by the way It's like, it should cost way less to watch it Because I'm not meeting people in person That's kind of half the point of going to a conference, yeah I I mean, for me, it's mostly the point I went there a few years ago as a proxy For someone that I kind of would advise every now and then um, When I started to blow up a little bit And I, I can tell you, like I mean, let's put it this way. I When I went there in 2019, there were, so I guess two years ago, not a few, um, there were like three or four live streams I did and like three videos I did after I got back. That's from, you know, meeting Raja Kadori and Jim Keller, people at Arm, AMD, in person there, seeing Lisa Sue in person and all these other people. I mean, seeing these Cerberus wafer scale chip in person, (laughs) like meeting these people and having drinks with them. All that creativity. I mean, people that I don't even remember the names of that I met and they're just like, oh, I build chips for self-driving cars for this one little thing in Israel. Like interesting people like that. I made like five or six videos off of that. I think I made like one or two from the hot chips last year. Uh, I I think that tells you that I think you gain far more from it being in person.
1: Yeah, th- that's <laughs> that's uh, definitely true. Uh, there's there's just so much more to be gained when you're there in person. And if only it uh, would have been fun to go to a British conference. But that is neither here nor there because I
0: cannot go this year. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I got to go to the Carolina Game Summit in Raleigh, North Carolina, though. Got a couple pieces of content out of that. I still haven't had time to put out all the follow-up Emails and you know from the cards and the contacts I made there a lot of game developers. Um, It's funny how when I was there Dan I was basically the same person I was when I worked at my previous automotive job of like going to places meeting people having dinner with people giving them my card following up with them after the conference to establish you know like other things you know longer term relationships. That benefit both of us. It's like, oh, I got to like I got to schmooze again, Dan. As one of our friends jokingly said, your job title was a you're a schmoozer. A schmoozer in the automotive industry, yes. Um, you know what though, I did a lot with like bomb kits, which has helped me with these leaks and the discussions with graphics cards now. Um there's a lot of like math and stuff and tracking data I had to do though, Dan. I'll have you know. I I'm I was aware. I was a dorky schmoozer. I'm I'm aware. I know. Yeah. All that is to say, I'm glad we're starting to travel some, although it is unfortunate that there's still issues, shall we say, out there causing it, (laughs) so we cannot travel as much as we'd want to, but let us get into the opening reader mails. Uh, We have The Hollow Knight writes in and says, do you like any product, Tom? You're an NVIDIA fanboy, wait, AMD fanboy, wait, NVIDIA hater, sorry, AMD hater now? Intel fanboy or hater? uh, Do you just hate, it seems like Everyone accused you of being a fanboy before, but now you're just hating everything. Anyways, keep up the great work. Um, I'll be honest. I like, and you'll see this when we start talking about the 6600 XT later. I like the technology of the 6600 XT. I like the technology of a lot of Intel and NVIDIA products, even to this day. I just don't like the what prices? it takes to buy them right now. <laughs> yeah. And those yeah. are two different things. So, yeah, I mean, it, I, I, and, you know, I think people would be good to remember that even when Intel is at its lowest, which I would argue is kind of right now, <laughs> maybe six months ago is their lowest in terms of like perceived competitiveness with AMD. There are still a lot of products that I feel like I was the only one saying they were impressive. In fact, over the weekend, me and Ian Cutress on Twitter were like pointing out to people, you know, everyone makes fun of Ice Like X. Ice like X sales are just going to affect more people than all of AMD's market share combined. Like, as much yeah, as you guys shit on Intel, you do not seem to understand how big of a deal Intel still is and how big of a deal it is that though they're behind AMD, they just massively increased their performance in server. It's not caught up, but the fact that it's not a third as good anymore is is actually might affect more people's lives than AMD relaunching something new.
1: Well, yeah, I am, too. Jump the gun once again. If you look at the uh, <laughs> the uh, Intel versus AMD products, uh, even though AMD is winning the perception war right now, Intel's still uh, pretty prominent in the market to say the least.
0: Yeah, I, I'd say, and that was part of what I pointed out as well is that it was in a response. I don't remember who, and I don't really care. It's not like I was just someone on Twitter was saying, "Oh, AMD like just killed Intel with Zen 3, and I'm like. First of all, they haven't killed them. And second of all, they took three (laughs) generations of superior products, I would argue, which everyone wants to argue with me about this. I think Zen Plus was more impressive than Coffee Lake in terms of how much it cost to produce and its efficiency. I mean, the fact that they had an inferior node and were almost up to the performance of a 9,900K and selling it for half the price effectively, it's like, I think AMD overall won that. Unless, again, it's like you think NVIDIA won when they had like a what is it, like a $650 GTX280 versus like a $400 HD4870 that's 80% the performance. It's like, I know which one impresses me more, with the one with a like half to a third the die size and half the power usage <laughs> for almost the same performance. You know, I, I, wow. AMD didn't just wipe out with Zen 3. It, it took three generations of, I think, superior performance for them to even start to take, like, have this huge market share. And it's it's still like, you know, a third of Intel's.
1: Yeah, and that's why AMD needs to keep maintaining their quality over Intel mm-hmm. if they want to actually become like a 50-50 market, which mm. I think that's, I wouldn't bet on that happening yet. But <laughs> I mean,
0: I think they kind of are in like really in some markets do-it-yourself, yeah. but that not in like, you know, laptop or anything, the ones that matter for real revenue. And, and, and the overall point I was making with that as well is when we look at Ampere's record sales, versus RDNA 2. It's not because AMD's not selling every RDNA 2. It's just, NVIDIA's got, you know, you buy wafer capacity ahead of time, and NVIDIA was able to just bet ahead of time that they'd sell more cards. And they are, and from what I hear from distributors, like I just mentioned at the Carolina Game Summit, they're like, yeah, you know, the unfortunate thing is that people are willing to buy Radeon now, but if two cards are marked up by 50%, there's a lot less people willing to pay 50 percent more for the AMD card, even fair or not, and that you know if it took AMD three generations to be perceived as ahead of Intel and technology, even if I think they were a long time ago, I think it's going to take RDNA four when they really everyone realizes they're ahead of NVIDIA. Because I I would compare RDNA 2 to Zen Plus right now, where it's like arguably caught up, but eh, it's not like they have the performance crown and there's still a lot of people that would swear by Intel. We'll have to see if RDNA 3 is a Zen 2 moment, because I think it could be. But even then, RDNA 2 didn't take a bunch of market share. It's going to take years for Radeon to catch up just like it did Ryzen.
1: I wonder if AMD will be able to capitalize off of RDNA 3 sooner, just given that they're cache has already increased a lot because of Zen 3. I mean, not Zen 3, because of Zen overall, where I wouldn't be surprised if perceptions on their GPUs changed slightly quicker than their CPU perceptions changed.
0: Yeah. Anyways, though, let us get into corrections and emissions. Mint Mitch kid writes in and he says in die shrink 51 you forgot to mention a key gaming portable so this is one looking at this is a die shrink for patrons where we spent time like looking through the history of portables gaming devices basically from game boy to three to ds and i think the next one because we don't want to do all portable gaming in one episode probably like three episodes probably want to do i think we've decided game boy to ds 3ds through switch and then kind of now is probably what we'll end up doing. Um, but he says, You forgot about the TI eighty three calculator. I think I spent more time <laughs> on that than on the Game Boy, even though the graphics were bad, it made class bearable. Did you I don't I never gamed on my T I 83. I don't think did I install I, a game on that? I think I might have out of novelty, just
1: I was curious. I coded on my T I 83 when I was born. <laughs> But I never played. Coded game. what? Oh, I don't even remember. I, I would just try to think of random crap I could code and see if I could figure out how to do it. I tried to make like a uh, what, what? What would base ten to uh, binary converter? One time when I was bored, I
0: think I just vomited. Nerd. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and uh, and although it's not to say I'm not nerdy, I never gamed on my TI-83 because I just insisted on completely paying attention in class. I just always wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, But, yeah, I know a lot of my friends gamed on the TI-83 a lot, though. Like, a lot. Like, you know, know. our our friend Krishna, he was always game. yeah. You know what Krishna would do, Dan? He would, I thought it was hilarious. He would, like, take his science book, and and this was AP Physics, and he just put the book up, stand it up, So it was almost like a wall on his desk. And then he'd just read a book behind it. So the teacher technically (laughs) couldn't see him reading the book. That was in Dr. Uh, Scott's class, just so you know, Dan. Um, And I was just like, I looked at him like, he knows you're reading, I said to him. And he's like, yeah, but he can't see it. So the illusion's there. (laughs) And technically, the teacher never got mad at him. If he technically couldn't see him reading the book, he's like, whatever.
1: And with my memory of Dr. Scott, that was the
0: weird logic he operated under. So pretty much yeah I, I remember I uh, he's like can you guys please throw trash in the trash can don't throw it walk five feet and actually throw it away please and I was like I just feel like where you put the trash can to be more efficient if it was here and he said well why don't we just tape little trash cans to our chest if you're that lazy Tom and that ended that conversation <laughs> I liked Dr. Scott but that's a blast from the past hopefully those anecdotes are found funny by a lot of people here we have another correction. From Big Jeff B, he says, "Hey Tom and Dan, when you were talking about the next switch and broken silicon 112, you brought up that Nintendo needed to make money on the switch after a rough patch with the Wii U. Uh yeah, and the people forget the 3DS, though it became successful, was really shaky rough. It was a shaky launch and not as profitable as the certainly not as profitable as the DS. So people forget that." Yeah, I mean, it looked kind of like they went from having the Wii and the DS at the same time to the Wii U and the 3DS. Their company's profits were just way down, especially in comparison to when Sony was kind of starting to fire on all cylinders leading into the PS4 launch, you know? Yeah. But but so it's. I just want to be clear, though, it's not just the Wii U. Like, and they were behind on, like, online revenue. There's a lot of issues they were having at the time, but... But to continue his question, he goes, That is true. However, generally, Nintendo always uses lower-spec hardware to make sure they are at least breaking even on their hardware at the start of a generation. The Wii itself is an example of this. As parents show, it was originally set as an add-on for the GameCube. Also, Wii's at the start had the perfect backwards compatibility with the GameCube because it basically used the same SoC. The Wii U was the exception to that rule because of the gamepad controller that every Wii U came with, and they were confident they would do well with the success of the Wii prior. Yeah, I know. I I feel like going into the Wii U launch, they slowly realized this isn't going to do as well, though. That was it. People forget that that was when every... Anytime there's a new anything... Everyone acts like it's going to take over everything because it doubles market share every year. It's like when smartphones came out, there's not going to be console or PC gaming. And then when (laughs) tablets came out, they're like, no one's going to game on consoles or PC anymore. And it's just... They never. Now with streaming is going to kill PC gaming again, Dan. Oh, my God. Here it comes. Just like smartphones and just like consoles are going to kill PC, except it's not, guys. Um, because I feel like when you guys were talking about the next SoC Nintendo, you're falling into the trap that Nintendo did with the Wii U. Nintendo has expressed the goal of breaking even at worst when starting a new gen in terms of hardware. With that in mind, I think fans need to tone down their expectations a bit with the next Switch SoC. I believe unless NVIDIA gave them a sweetheart deal and lovelace SoC, Nintendo would use the Gen before or even one before that in the next Switch. Again, so I would recommend, Big Jeff, if you haven't watched it, that you watch my Lovelace Switch leak because it, to me, the arguments you're making sound like things that I directly address. So if you think they're going to use two generations older, you think they're just going to keep making Pascal in 2023, Jeff? Because I don't.
1: They can't. Yeah, and... <laughs> I think you even alluded that to to an extent, or alluded to that to an extent, NVIDIA might, could potentially offer some type of a quote-unquote sweetheart deal if they wanted to, Uh, just so they, you know, aren't producing Pascal chips in the year 2028 or
0: something. I mean, so yeah, number one, I almost think they have to use a later SOC, Uh, again, even Volta, it's like, what? When we're on five nanometer or three nanometer GPUs, you really think they're going to be making 12 nanometer Volta chips? I don't think so, my friend. I think that would actually cost them more money than using a newer architecture. And therefore, yes, I do think they would give them a good deal on the Lovelace SoC. The the final thing I want to bring up, though, is I don't think anyone gets this. Those goddamn switches cost 50 bucks to make. So when you say ridiculous things like "oh, Nintendo has to sell their stuff at a profit," buddy, trust me, they are and more so. <laughs> the, the, the Switch launched at absurd profit margins for a console. It wasn't like they were profiting twenty. Isn't it like three hundred dollars I mean, for a seven twenty p LCD with like three the, hour battery life?
1: It wouldn't the. the it wouldn't surprise me if, especially with the OLED model that's coming out, the screen is the most expensive part of that thing. Oh, and for sure. The, the old Switch, I doubt that monitor. I mean, that screen is very
0: expensive anymore. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I, it's got like three gigs of RAM, so that's not even 20 bucks. It's probably like $10, and it's old RAM. It's, I mean, again, it might almost be more expensive because it's older RAM. Um, it's like 10 bucks for the RAM, probably. And honestly, these screens don't cost as much as people think. Yeah. Um, it's a 720p OLED screen. It's probably from some old tablet that now they're using it for. OLED has been the Vita. I think the Vita was 540p. Okay, so I mean, they sold that for what two fifty when that came out, right? Like. <laughs> yes, guys. No, no, no. And and I want to be clear. I'm not saying the switch cost fifty dollars to make when it came out with its stock. That's no. not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying it probably had a fifty dollar profit on that as well. That they could have used Pascal or Volta back then and still probably made a small profit on it. Like they needed, they wanted to make a lot of profit on it, is, from what I can tell. And they're making crazy profit margins on this thing now. I, yeah, I don't know how much it costs to make the new OLED Switch, but I would guess it's like 150 at most. They're selling it for 350 and then the Switch portable is probably like 50 to to 100 bucks to make. All of this is to say that, uh, do I think they can make a $300 console with a Lovelace APU? Yes. Easily. I do. Yeah. It's, and and it's, it's in 2023. You're for, we're forgetting that, like, if this is on 8 nanometer by then, with Ampere, it's... Not going to be expensive at all. And if it's even on five nanometer for Lovelace, again, we're not saying it's coming out today. We're saying in like a year or more. I don't think it's going to be that expensive to make it for 300 bucks.
1: I'm assuming it's not going to be coming out with like a uh, 80 SM
0: <laughs> version. No, of I mean, the top like... Orin uh, sounds, I guess we don't technically know if this is true, but it seems like top Orin for now is stated to have 2048. Cuda cores by NVIDIA, okay. which is in a small amount. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, and the final thing I would say is the idea that Nintendo never makes strong consoles is also just wrong. Nintendo 64 is really powerful. And the GameCube was pretty strong for its time, too. For the price, yeah. It was it was decent. So, I don't know. I, I, thanks for the question, but just just consider that it's like I I didn't miss these points. I directly addressed them in my leak that... And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Although, again, if I'm wrong, it's like, it's not because they couldn't have done it. Like, right now, NVIDIA, I mean, it, I mean, if Nintendo had some custom Volta APU in the Switch, they probably still could have made a very slight profit at like 300 bucks at launch. I just want to be very clear about that. That there's room for them to both be more aggressive with specs and make money on the device. And, and now that NVIDIA knows Nintendo's successful, I think they could give them a sweetheart deal. Again, from the... NVIDIA's perspective in 2016 and 2017, they were like, oh no, we want to get into self-driving, and the Wii U sold like crap. And they might even look at the Switch as a Wii U 2.0. So from from NVIDIA's perspective, they were like, we don't even know if this is going to sell 10 million units, Nintendo, so we'll give you a slightly different version of the standard Maxwell SoC, but that's it. We're not custom designing anything. Now I think they would.
1: Yeah, because as far as they know, and I think... The Switch, too. I don't see why it wouldn't be as successful mm, as the first I Switch. Agree. And I'm sure they're now thinking, oh, this will probably sell at least close to $100 million.
0: Yeah. Which, let us move on, though, and get into the first story here. Story number one, RX 6600 XT reviewed and released. Reviewers cry. Gamers buy. That's what I named it. Got a little write-up here. though. This week, the PC gaming community saw the reviewing and release of AMD's quote-unquote low-end RX 6600 XT. In short and in summary, the car did launch for $379, and it was actually in stock with a notable amount of its volume at MSRP as well. Yes, most AIB models cost more, but not as much more in this writer's opinion as we have typically seen happen with most releases this year. I mean, most of them seem below 500 bucks. It didn't, yes, I know there's some that are more than that, but it just, I know a lot of people that got one for MSRP, guys. And in fact, I woke up and then checked like four or five hours after the 6600 XT launched. And there were like more than a few in stock at the micro center I used to shop at in Illinois. Like in stock when I checked.
1: I guess we'll see what that ends up meaning. Or They're sold out a, now. <laughs> obviously, I, I would have, I, you're not a genius if you guess that they sell out in the first 24 hours or something, <laughs> but I, I wonder what that will end up meaning is ultimately like how well w- will this sell or was there just, I mean, did this sell super well and they had a good stock or was it a bit underwhelming now? I, I guess maybe you know something about the sales figures more, but-
0: well, let me continue to... Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But um, it, it's selling, you know, it's just there's this lag time between... Yeah. Honestly, from co- distributors I talked to overseas as well, they're like, gamers just don't expect things to be in stock anymore. So they actually sat there for a half a day and they were like, what? Oh, they're actually there at MSRP. And then gamers just went and got them with the next day. <laughs> and I talked to... Um, Theo, who I interviewed on the last Broken Silicon, or Ted as well, from Silver Knights, and he said, oh, no, that's very common. Like, we will even get drops of 3070s, and then no one shows up the first hour or two because people are like, yeah, sure. And then they're like, oh, no, they're really there. Then they show up the next day. <laughs> um, but, conti- yeah, continuing the write-up, though, um, the performance itself of the 6600 XT was honestly very impressive. fairly impressive if you remove the price. Number one, in 1080p, this 237-millimeter-squared card is 9% behind the 392-millimeter-squared 3060 Ti, and 10% ahead of the 276-millimeter-squared 3060. Second point, in fact, some games this card matched a 3070 in 1080p. Although, to be fair, in 1440p, it narrowly beats the 3060 and ties a 5700 XT, and in 4K, it tied the 5700 However, this card managed to pull around 40 watts less, it seemed, in real-world usage than the 3060, and even less than the notably weaker previous-gen RX 5600 XT. And that was made on the same node, guys, even if it was cut down. Technologically, then, The 6600 XT is an insanely efficient card that offers incredible performance for its die size. Yet, reviewers lambasted the card saying it cost too much and was silly for only having eight PCIe lanes, which I'm not saying they're necessarily entirely wrong there, but in response to these overwhelmingly negative reviews, gamers bought all of them up within a day, which is impressive given the fact that this launch was bigger than the previous RDNA 2 launches. So gamers do not agree with reviewers, not in a meaningful way, And that's probably because gamers are aware by now that NVIDIA's MSRPs are fake. On average, the 3060 is selling for 20 to 30% more on the street, and this was actually something Hardware Unbox noted in their review, saying that if this stuck to be true for a while, they could see why this MSRP was chosen, and this could actually be the best launch of the year. And... Moore's Law is Dead Wonders when other reviewers will wake up to the reality of what's going on with actual pricing between cards. One could argue, unfortunately, this was the best GPU launch of 2021 so far, but that's because this year just sucked in general for getting a graphics card. Yeah, I also want to give a shout out to Gamers Nexus, who I like at the end of his video summarized like, honestly, none of these cards make sense to get unless you need it if it's for work. If you're like, if you have a workflow and it's costing you money, then of course you should buy this card. And this might be the best choice for a lot of people. But otherwise, if you don't actually need a new card, this is the worst year to get a card. And I felt like Steve at Gamers Nexus shied away from directly attacking the card because he's like, it's just so hard to attack it when the alternative is a $700 2070 on eBay <laughs> that's used. But yeah, what did you think of the reviews?
1: Hey, well, that's something to be said. Steve from Gamers Nexus. Sorry, yeah. Steve from Gamers Nexus. Um. Is his entire review that I it was, he has nothing negative to say about the card itself. And I think there is something to be said that, and this has been a trend for a while, like build quality for cards has been going up over time for the past decade, I feel like. And cards mm-hmm. in general, their quality is higher. Like there's nothing objectively objective to say about the 6600 XT to say it's a bad card. It's a really good 1080p graphics card uh it's kind of funny how fast
0: it falls once you get to 1440p and 4k but i would say it's okay 1440p actually it's just not as impressive but if you take into account efficiency it's actually still impressive
1: yeah i know i'm just saying head to head how fast it uh falls to like the 3060 once you get to you 1440p and 4k yeah it almost ties it yeah it's crazy how fast how much better it performs in 1080p that versus the 3060, then in 1440p or 4K. But uh, a lot of people are still gaming in 1080p. I think most people are probably still gaming in 1080p. Depends what you mean by most people. I mean, worldwide for sure. (laughs) It's a good 1080p card at a bad price. Every card's at a bad price, though, so don't buy it unless you need to get it.
0: Yeah, I mean, here's the interesting thing, though, about... Honestly, its performance is, I would argue, pretty competitive. And again, I'm not saying I think it should cost this much, but I don't think any of these cards should cost this much. It's all relative. I just want to point out that in my 3060 review, I found it completely worthless in 4K, unfortunately, which is hilarious to me, because it didn't really beat a highly overclocked Vega, and it... In a lot of games, it just fell apart in ray tracing, unlike the 3070, which sometimes works as a decent ray tracing card, um, depending on how optimized the game is and depending on if the game has good DLSS 2.0. I, I just, so if the 3060 is never really usable in 4K except for older games, then I don't know what advantage it really has because, I mean, in older games, the 6600 XT is honestly like, three four five percent weaker in 4k so it's like they're both going to do well if the 3060 is doable in 4k i don't think the 6600 xt is bad and in 1440p it at least at a hardware unboxed edged out the 3060 so i just think it's a better card and it costs less i don't know what you want costs less in the competition guys it's not you know i don't know
1: and if the 3060 can't perform well in 4k it's almost as if you're paying for six gigabytes of RAM that won't be leveraged by the card. So it's almost like, why does this graphics card have this? <laughs> but
0: Which is funny because I understood why they did it early on. It was like in deciding between trying to make a $250 six gigabyte. Because they again, as everyone knows, they originally wanted like a 300 to $350 six gigabyte card for maximum profits, basically giving you nothing. But they saw RDNA 2, and they're like, we need to b- beef up some of our lineup. So we either make it a $250 6K byte card, mm-hmm. or we make it— Because, again, they thought it would be competing with, like, a $250 6600 XT and a $350 6700 non-XT. Um, and so— they beefed it up to 12 gigabytes just to pass on $30 of RAM, but now RAM's three, four times, two th- to three times the cost it used to be. And it's like, yeah, I guess they probably should have just done like a $300 six gigabyte card. And I continue to think that they should introduce a six gigabyte, $320 version. Like uh, the MSRP is $20 less, but in practice, it'll end up being $50 to $100 less on the street. And therefore cheaper than the 60, 600 XT. I think that's what NVIDIA just needs to do and just admit you screwed up.
1: Yeah. Or the other thing to mention is its power consumption. I mean, what it's if you compare it to the fifty six hundred XT, it uses the same amount of power and gets like what thirty percent more performance. That's
0: a pretty good uplift for power uh, frames per power uh, watt, I should say. There's that claimed efficiency increase with RDNA two. I'm like, this card kind of proves it. Like, here you go. And it's a little uh, funny how the card it's
1: replacing it uses like the exact same amount of energy as the card it's replacing, but just delivers 30% more performance.
0: Yeah. I I mean, again, I don't know. I, I'm looking at the script here. I don't have much else to say because we, we should just directly get into the second story at this point. But I only really, I'm going to be honest, everyone watched the Gamers Nexus and the Hardware Unboxed review on this one. because. But I did see quotes from other reviews where they're just like worst card ever made. And I'm just like, guys, go to Micro Center. It costs $100 less than the 3060 in real life. Your reviews don't make sense anymore if you don't acknowledge that.
1: Or go to Newegg and look at the 3060. I guess it's available on Newegg if you want to pay $900 for it or something crazy.
0: Yeah, and so <laughs> and, and let's get into why, though. Let's Let's move on then to story number two. RX 6600 XT bomb cost below MSRP, AIBs can profit around 380 for this card. And this was part of my analysis video where I, I, I guys, I, even when I'm not technically doing outwardly videos that look like leaks, I just, having these insider sources allows me to have way more informed opinions on what's going on. And I can just tell you guys that right now, some distributors are buying directly from AIBs. The cheapest 3060s they can because they don't want to sell expensive 3060s. And the cheapest they can get them for from an AIB with the AIBs, you know, whatever, 20, 30 percent cut is like 380. And I mean, not even that, like some AIB is the cheapest model is like a 10, 20 percent cut on the 3060 right now. Yeah, it's. They're getting it for like three hundred eighty to four hundred something like four hundred dollars. So I'm just telling you, when you buy from some of these distributors, and they're like, "Why is this thirty sixty four hundred and twenty dollars?" Because they're not making much more than five to ten percent on these cards, guys. Whereas the sixty six hundred XT is being supplied in high numbers, and the three eighty dollars models have a profit on them. They're not being sold at a loss, and they're not token deliveries. In fact, one of my distributor contacts overseas told me, holy crap, Uh, this is the next day after I already put out the video, not only did we receive way more cards at launch than we expected, we have even more coming in a week. So they're (laughs) continuing to supply them. And a lot of them, not all of them, most of them are not because AIBs are focusing on high-end versions because they can sell them right now. But a lot of them are around the MSRP, like a fourth of the stock, not like 5% like Ampere. This is actually really impressive. And uh, some of the system integrators I've talked to said, hey, look, if we can actually get these things from AIBs for at or below MSRP and then put them in our systems, we're just going to stop carrying the 3060, like straight up, because we hate that card. It makes everything above it look weird. And we'd rather just put 3060 TIs in mid-range builds and this in low-end builds.
1: Well, and if you can't turn over as a system integrator or like a micro center type store, uh, if you can't turn over your stock quickly, you're going to be losing money on it. Like, If a 3060 sits in your store for two months, well, hell, it might have dropped in price by then, and now you're selling a card for, have to sell a card for what, like, I don't know, I'm making up a number, 450 or 350 that you bought for 400 because you just need to get it the hell out of your store.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I'm just noticing here that I didn't even read the write-up I wrote for this story, but I think I already covered everything in it. Um, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of what else there is to say on this story specifically. I just, I really want to emphasize it that, and people, this kind of went under the radar for my analysis video of the 6600 XT. Really, AMD has, you know, hundreds of thousands of units are being delivered right now of this card more than they did with the original Navi 21 stock. And they're continuing to supply them that AMD really is making a lot of these and they really can profit at the MSRP. That's not a flashy title, I guess, for WCCF tech, but that's an important point that the 3060 is being produced now and it's going to, it should flood the market within a week of this podcast coming out. It's actually already, I have some distributors saying they've already received more 3060s than they've received in the previous three months combined already in August, which is Technically a little misleading because they've been receiving almost no 3060s for three <laughs> months, if, not, if literally none at some locations, by the way, I'm told. Literally none, guys. Um, and it's because NVIDIA doesn't want to supply a card that makes absolutely no sense with GDR6 costs right now. But that NVIDIA is going to flood the market with overpriced 3060s that, and then probably stop making a lot of them because they just want to keep putting those in laptops and sending 3070s that have huge margins on them. I, I really think the 6600 XT has a huge opening here for very real reasons that it can be made. It actually can be made and sold with a profit margin at its MSRP, and um, they actually can make a lot of them. I, I, don't, I just think this is an important point.
1: Yeah, and you know, to reference uh, now Steve Walton's review of the uh, 6600 XT with the street price. So the 3060 Ti and 3060 are both lower. Cost per frame according to their MSRPs. But if you look at the street prices, they are looks about 40 to 50% more (laughs) cost per frame than the 6600 XT. And the 6600 XT, according to its street price now, we'll see. Maybe it will increase. Its street price will increase over time. I wouldn't be surprised. But as it stands right now, it's the lowest cost per frame card pretty much out there right now. And that includes previous gen cards.
0: So (laughs) And and again, in the the write-up that I skipped, I will read this part. And I want to be very clear on why that is. It has, the 3060 is a bigger die. The 3060 uses more energy. There is a shortage of power components. The 6600 XT requires like a lot cheaper components for its power delivery and its cooling. And it has Mm -hmm. four gigabytes less RAM. There are multiple factors why the 3060 will probably never have a street price lower on average. There will always be token drops of course, as explained in, you know, the Ultimate Play article, but it's never going to be consistently below it.
1: Yeah. And we'll see how prices shake up over the next couple weeks and how frequent drops are, but most 6,600 XTs on like Newegg are, or at least half, I think, seem to be in like the 380 to $420 range mm-hmm. at this point. So hopefully that holds. Hopefully that somehow brings prices down because, uh, Other stuff's just stopped selling, although that's probably a bit of wishful thinking. But, um, you know, as it stands, the MSRP is, frankly, it's shit for the 6600 XT, but it's... Any other generation, it'd be like, what's going on? uh, But yeah, it's the best shit MSRP
0: we've got. (laughs) Yes, and I guess what I will say then is, I've still seen a lot of comments, of course, people going, why would I buy this card that's almost as much as a $400 PS5 that's stronger and it's an entire system? And I would say, I don't have a good answer for you guys. Kind of what Gamers Nexus said, frankly. It's, I don't have a good answer for you. If you're buying a 6600 XT, I hope it's because you're using it for non-gaming tasks, which you do with your 6700 XT. I certainly do with my 3070. So it's kind of like, a completely different discussion for me. I didn't get the Radeon 7 for gaming, guys. I got it for editing, you know, and also it was my favorite color and it looked really cool, Let's be honest. But that's what this is. This is a hobby, but it becomes really silly when you're starting to sell an entire console's price for a card that's weaker than the consoles. And I don't, I'm not going to get into a debate on if it's weaker it is, guys.
1: <laughs> and, um, go on. And from my perspective, why would, I, why would you buy this instead of a PS5? I mean, I bought a PS5 before I bought a new graphics card and I only bought a new graphics card because if you can get it for the right price, there's no reason to not get it if you can sell your old card.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which and you that, could, and I could with my Radeon 7. Yeah, so I, I would say if you ask why would I get this over a $400 PS5, mm-hmm. I would say I don't know why <laughs>
0: <laughs> But that does bring up one more important point here I want to say. If you have a Vega 56, heck if you have a Polaris card. I mean guys, there's this is a good time to sell your card if you can get a better one. I would say look on it though. If you can get one of these for 380 at your local Micro Center on bestbuy.com Newegg, if you can get in a Newegg shuffle and you happen to get one of these for 380, I think Try to. And it's not the best card, but it will use less energy than any of your old cards. It is capable of ray tracing. Some old cards were not, unless you have Turing. So, or at least not the new standard of how they do ray tracing. You would argue, (laughs) actually, they could have done ray tracing sometimes. But anyways, I I would just say that, and this is where we get into why these are all selling. Yeah, I mean, look, man, if you got a 580 that you can sell on eBay for 300, would I get this for three, pay, Would I pay $180 to, like, get a 50% to double performance boost and cut my energy down? I would, you know, and, and yeah. so don't forget that, though, if you're shopping that, like, again, I, I just said that in my analysis video. This is kind of competitive, you know, it's. On average, stronger than a 5700 XT, while giving you ray tracing capabilities and using substantially less energy for less money than the 5700 XT launched at. It's a improvement, and it actually is at MSRP. It's just way below what our hopes and dreams were. But there's just so many reasons you might buy this, and that's why it's selling out. And I don't know. Just don't miss those other reasons, though. Don't just go. Oh, I'm going to sit with my 2060. Well, if you can sell that 2060 for three hundred, four hundred, five hundred bucks right now, yeah. Consider trying. Get this first. Don't sell it, then buy this. Get this first, because I think pricing could be all over the place for until quarter two next year, but just just don't miss that. Yeah. All right. The Hollow Knight writes in and says, how does NVIDIA produce more cards than AMD almost, if not all, generations, even when their cards are cheaper to make and have more VRAM? For this gen, I think it was because of how spread out AMD is, related products on N7 and N6 consoles, Zen 2 and 3, RDNA 1 and 2. Will this change for our RDNA 3, Zen 4 on Zen 5? Basically, will AMD be able to come anywhere close to NVIDIA's GPU output next, gen? It's hard to say for sure. It sounds like NVIDIA is going to launch Lovelace possibly in the mid-range to low-end first as like an early run like they did with Maxwell at the 750 Ti. So we'll see what that really means. But... I just wouldn't be surprised if Nvidia makes a lot new, of newer cards on TSMC or Samsung's 5 nanometer again uh next year but then continues to maybe make, you know, GA106 as the 30 as the 4050 Ti or something or even GA104. Let's be honest. Yeah. That's what I would do and just clock it low. Because GA-104 at respectable speeds with it can be like crazy efficient. The A4000 is a 140-watt card. There's no reason they couldn't just rebrand GA-104 as a 4050 Ti at lower clocks, you know, and give you something that's about the performance of a 3060 Ti that uses, you know, 150 watts. I, I don't know why they couldn't do that. And if they do, they'll have a ton of capacity. But... For previous generations, guys, you buy up capacity ahead of time. So if Nvidia's planning ahead, yeah, that's yeah. why they would have so much capacity. I mean, and Samsung's like how much money they're making selling these. Samsung's like, yeah, take it all. Take all right. the 8-nanometer capacity, man. And I don't think it's misguided to say this,
1: but I mean, NVIDIA does still have a lot more money to
0: work with. Than AMD. Yeah. They're so, <laughs> like, I think they have, yeah, a bigger market cap than Intel. NVIDIA is flush with cash. Good. Correct me when I'm let talking about it. Let I me know. look that
1: up. I, I wouldn't be completely shocked, I guess, but I'm a little surprised to
0: hear that. You know, so NVIDIA has all this money, they buy capacity ahead of time. RDNA2 surprised people. And frankly, even from AMD's perspective, my understanding is they had a big production of RDNA2 at first. And it sold out like instantly. And also, they, it, but then they just prioritize Zen three because seventy nine millimeter squared chiplets are being sold. Two of those. So like, what? What are we talking? Like one sixty millimeter squared of seven nanometer. You're putting that in an eight hundred dollar fifty nine fifty X instead of. W- less than one 6600 <laughs> XT in wafer capacity. That's why they're prioritizing Zen 3. RDNA 3 is going to have a lot more performance and be able to be sold for even more money. So that might change. And, and I want to be clear though, RDNA 2 is supposedly like the most profitable gen they've ever had in graphics by a huge margins. So it's not like it's a bad choice to sell it. It's just NVIDIA buys up, but you know, you buy up capacity ahead of time. NVIDIA could plan ahead better. Nvidia supply chains are very good, and AMD has reasons to not prioritize graphics right now.
1: And NVIDIA does have double the market cap of Intel. That's what I thought. Which confuses me how any economy or business works, considering Intel also has seven times the revenue. But, whatever.
0: (laughs) Timo writes in, What would NVIDIA do if the 6600 XT became a much greater success than, and I mean in both terms of supply and performance, uh, how many people were buying the large supply up quickly? Would NVIDIA just do nothing and rely on fanboys not switching to Red Team? Or quickly produce more 3060s and 1050s to retail? A little confused by how you worded your question, Timo. But, which I think I even tried to fix it up, but I could have done a better job even with that. Uh, anyways, if, I, let's just put it this way. If the 6600 XT is a huge success, and AMD actually just starts surprisingly, instead of, you know, doing what they would normally do, which is like 50 to 150,000, cards a quarter per segment, like if they actually just started doing like half a million somehow, um, what would NVIDIA do? I mean, I think it, it would be maybe nothing. I don't know that they'd care because they're still selling so many cards <laughs> and they're making so much money. And at most, I would just introduce a $320, six gigabyte, 3060. And again, people would go, what? A six gigabyte for only 20 bucks less MSRP? Yeah, but MSRP is fake. So it's really going to be like Maybe. a $350 to $380 card and it'll sell. That's all I would do. I, I don't if I was NVIDIA, I don't know if I would bother selling the 3060 TIs because I don't think they need to. The 3070 is already cut down. There's a 3070 laptop edition that's more cut down than the 3070. I hear GA104 has excellent yields. I honestly don't I, I've done I've already talked about this in my 3060 review. The segmentation around that area makes no sense. If I was in NVIDIA, I'd just make a bunch of 3070s and introduce a six gigabyte 3060. I wouldn't even bother with the 3060 Ti.
1: Yeah, I don't know the point of the 3060 Ti. That, that, that might From be a the business
0: perspective. <laughs> yeah. Damn, they thought RDNA 2 is gonna be competitive and I don't know, they should have seen the shortages coming though, which they did. They even said they saw it coming. And they're like, shortages are coming and yet they still make this $400 card that's never gonna be, four, why, that's 90% <laughs> the performance of a 3070, like why? People will just buy a 3070. Hollow Knight writes him, if RDNA 2 was significantly stronger than Ampere, would NVIDIA have launched some GA100 or a TSMC GA102 gaming card? What cause, And what causes GDR6X to use so much energy? Is it the chip itself, the controller, or something else? Would the cooling issues for the 3090 be worse if Micron had... Um, He just has an even higher gigabit per second, an an insane number. (laughs) Like, he's basically saying if they had, like, 30 gigabit somehow, GDR6X, would it be, like, a 500-watt card? The answer is probably yes, by the way. Um, I don't even think it could run it that fast, so the memory controller probably couldn't take it. Like, they had to, like, redesign the 290X's memory controller a little for the 390X, I was told, to have Hmm. it have at stock, like, 20 30% more bandwidth. Um, So it wasn't exactly a rebrand. 39 390x was actually slightly updated 3? revision 90x is a pretty cute card it's pretty cute but um to answer these questions in order look it was set in stone whatever they were going to do with ampere was going to be eight nanometer by the beginning of 2020 and there wasn't some other big card i heard about a ga 101 but i always i was actually yeah. told it was a half GA100. That is to say, no video output still. It's all about the tensor performance. So, I don't think they would have likely had much else. I wonder if they would have done a tweak to that card and made a new die as quickly as possible so they could have something out by early this year. Like, I wonder if they would have accelerated a paper launch of like a Titan Lovelace, kind of like Titan Volta. That's what I wonder.
1: But Because GA100 is kind of a, almost
0: a different architecture than (laughs) Ampere, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, kind of is in a way. I, so, could I, I mean, or- it is uh, from the perspective of it's an entirely different die with a different organization for a lot of its parts, but uh, components of the die. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I think all NVIDIA could have done is lose. I think there's a reason they named it the 3090 and not the Titan because they thought they could lose. Um, but, and and, it, and I would argue they kind of did overall in performance and if and especially efficiency, but... I mean, they would have just lost. I mean, like, it is what it is, right? I think they would have accelerated a Titan Lovelace is what they would have done.
1: Yeah, probably. Or I don't even know if that would be feasible to produce, uh launch a Halo Halo product that has, like, whatever 84 SMs would have for Q2 and But I don't know if that would have been feasible for them to release that
0: or not. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if they could have done some paper launch on it early with Lovelace. It just, but so they could say they're not losing. But yeah, that's why it was called the 3090. And to not ramble on too much more, I mean, yeah, GDR6X, guys, it's like public why it sucks. Like, go look <laughs> at Micron's own, own slides. And this was a discussion in the Moore's Laws Dead Discord, which you get access to if you support us on Patreon. Um, there was a whole discussion about GDR6X where I like shared a graph. I'm like, look, Micron themselves says 15% more efficient per band for bandwidth. So they're saying as you mm. add more bandwidth, it still adds a lot more power, but it's 15% better. It's that's not good. Like HBM like doubles bandwidth at lower energy. And that that's why it's worth using. GDR6X is practiced, and, and that's just their own benchmarks. Like that's not a third party thing. And they even say, but other things can have higher costs as well. So for all we know, that's GDR6X is 15% more efficient at the same speeds <laughs> as GDR6. It's like basically not more efficient than GDR6. And so think about it. So if you're using like, which they make 21, uh, gigabit per second. If you're using 21 gigabit per second memory instead of 14, it's going to use 50% more energy, probably, at least, depending on how much they've cherry-picked. And there's a reason the 3090 doesn't even clock its memory that high at stock. It's because it, I mean, we we know that like half of the power consumption of some recent cards has been the memory controller with GDR5 or GDR6. So you're just adding like 100 watts there or 50 watts just flat out. And if you look at A6000, Apples to apples, GDR6, GDR6X, oh, look at that. It uses, like, that much less energy to the bandwidth difference. It's almost like you
1: can glean this information from looking at the graphs or something.
0: Yeah, and so it's like, GDR6X just isn't very good. I mean, I'll just, and it's public why it's not. Mm-hmm. the writes in, Hey, guys, hope you're taking it easy. I'm not, but I'm living. <laughs> I could be wrong, but with how substrate supply is, and now GDR6 costs doubling, For the first time ever, consoles this holiday season seem like they're going to be even more difficult to get than the one they were released during. And this upcoming age of an almost exclusively digital sales, how much is it worth it to both Microsoft and Sony to get a console into the hands of a gamer? We're getting back to $200 losses per unit. Excited for another PS360 gen, so maybe I'm projecting anyways. Thanks. Well, let's just move on to the next story to answer Tick Dickler's question here. Uh, uh, We've already kind of talked about why some people may just want to consider getting a console if they don't need to use keyboard and mouse. And I think the Xbox already supports it. But, Anyways, story number three, NVIDIA and AMD disclose immense profits as companies and the PS5 is already profitable. So, Tick-Tickler, no, there are not losses. Sony is making money on each PS5 sold. Which, by the way, throwback to the guy who says the Switch needs to be that weak. It does not. Sony is making money on each PS5 sold with this performance for 500
1: yeah. How much more are they charging for the,
0: for the PS5? $150? With... <laughs> <laughs> with a 7 nanometer... Yeah, I mean, let's... Yeah. How much profit? What do you think the margins are in the switch OLED LED, guys? It's insane. But uh, I, I put a write-up together here. Yes, there are component shortages. Yes, GDR6 prices are up. Yes, precious metal costs are up. And also, yes, these companies are still making more money despite all of these factors combined. Moore's Law is dead feels it's important to remind people that while some products like the 3060 are practically built to not make profits and there are real struggles causing production costs to go up these street prices are still half fueled by insane gamer demand and aib greed were demand to fall apart it is doubtful every rdna2 and ampere card sku would easily hit msrp right away but many of them would and none of them require a 50% plus markup on the aib models for these mar- for reasonable margins they're making insane margins Please keep that in mind, people. And, and, and I have, you know, multiple links here. I kind of combine this. I this is after all of this discussion about why costs are going up, why this is happening, it's worth remembering. Oh, the 3060 could probably still make, I don't know if it would make a profit at MSRP, but it'd probably be about breaking even and the 6600 XT is probably making like I, I don't i don't want to say exactly what the margin is because man do aib's not want you to know they they're lying to everyone right now even some of their contacts but that is to say that once you get up the product stack i mean i'm pretty sure even with increased costs the 6700 XT at msrp would probably be making like a 20% or 30% margin i'm just I, don't quote me guys and you know Things like the 6900 XT are still making huge margins if they were at MSRP. The 3090 for sure does not need to sell for more than MSRP. I think if we're being honest, like the 3080 would be like a, you know, $800 card. The 6800 XT would be an $800 card. And again, the reason they'd be the same, I know the 6800 XT is more RAM, but also its PCB is like way cheaper to produce and it requires less cooling. You know, 6800 would probably be a $600 card, but that would be like with a 45% markup. So... The lower you go down the product stack, the harder it is, but still keep in mind that half the reason prices are up so much is because NVIDIA wants 60% margins and AMD wants 50% now, and they're getting more than that.
1: Yeah, and look at the performance their the financial performance. I'm looking at it right now, gross profit from uh, their fiscal quarter last year compared to this current fiscal quarter uh, from NVIDIA's financial earnings. They're up over, I think that's what? it's about 70% it looks like uh AMD i think was up 66% not revenue even that p- profit their revenue was yeah. up even more <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're maybe they're profiting hand over fist they're doing they're both making tons and tons of money the PS5 is making tons of money i guess the uh discless version probably isn't
0: no nah, the discless is sold for a loss of course but they don't care they lock you into their storefront yeah, of
1: course. But that's still being sold at pretty decent loss, I would guess then. But, you know, they're all making a bunch of money right now. And this argument that there is a these shortages are causing them to need to increase prices. uh, Kind of bullshit because they're making tons of money <laughs> like they don't need to charge this much. Demand is allowing them to charge this much.
0: I would say that, and the costs, it's funny. the 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 estimates I put together, which were pretty similar to what Bloomberg's people did for the p s five costs, which on things like that, I don't think they're full of shit because that 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 doesn't require technological understanding. They just talk to sources about the mm-hmm. cost components. <laughs> um, and this is what I like I said earlier, I did in the automotive industry. Like I would put together estimated cost to produce things. I, I believe the p s five in a normal year would have been like four seventy. 450 to 480 to make the disc PS5. And so basically the disc model was at like a 10% loss or 10% profit. The discless model was probably at like a 20 to 10% loss. And my understanding or my suspicion is that the fact that shipping costs just went insane with components shortages is the reason the PS5 ended up selling at a loss over the holiday season. But Sony... I'm told was buying up a lot of those charter jets because they knew if they could deliver consoles on time, they'd make more money during the holiday season. So they were willing to eat those costs.
1: And, and Sony would need to sell it at a further loss too to the uh, their distributors,
0: so they could sure. they, those
1: distributors could also make a profit
0: off of it. Yeah, to a certain extent, they sell from their own website now too. <laughs> That's true. Although, yeah, but uh, <laughs> I wonder if it's a. Hard... I don't know that Best Buy makes that much on it, anyways. Though they just want you to buy games when you enter the store. Yeah, I know. I was just going to say, I wonder if the
1: diskless model, if there's a new calculus where it's like, no, we're making money off of the diskless
0: version because you motherfuckers are getting all of the profits on the back end of it now. Yeah, because we're getting that 30%. We're getting that digital cut we can control. You will never be able to just get a car uh, used disk on eBay with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, but but let's just say this. Okay, despite all of the shortages... Yes, the PS5 is technically profiting later than usual. I believe it is because of the shipping problems and shortages in the holiday season. But the PS4, if you look it up, guys, the PS4 was profiting, I believe, in March of 2014. So this was like five months after it came out. And that was sooner than usual. The PS3 took a lot longer than that to profit. (laughs) Um, And okay, so now it's August of the following year. So add a few months. Yeah at the end of the day it took a little longer but this is a substantially more technologically advanced console than what the PS4 was for its time yet also sold for more money but if you accord, account for inflation not
1: really yeah it's, if you account for inflation is it's like 20 bucks more or something
0: like that right yeah so it but it is more still Maybe not anymore because of recent inflation, but yeah, it's just apples to apples. I just think you go, the PS5 is making a profit only slightly later than when the PS4 did adjust it for its launch. And so that should tell you everything you need to know about what's going on with MSRP. That yes, things probably should cost 10 to 20% more moving forward because of all these factors and inflation, but that they should not cost 50% more and AIBs are just lying through their teeth half the time.
1: Yes, <laughs> I think that's been the... Uh, the the thesis of this episode
0: so far <laughs> mhm um writes in hello tom considering insane price increases for gddr6 and gddr6x did i say too many ds gd you, no i said the right one i think amount. you said GDD, the right i'm just used to like not saying one of them so it feels like to me gddr6x will luckily go up too uh, what about hbm surely at this point hbm can't be much more expensive <laughs> than gddr6 can you see Lovelace 102 using HBM instead of GDDR6X, or are Nvidia going all out on GDDR6 again, X again? Um, I would say if you look at the design of Ampere, and then we assume the rumors that Lovelace being kind of a Maxwell to Pascal, so that is to say, fixing, uh, improving efficiency, node shrink, maybe a sixty to eighty percent increase, but not a doubling, not a massively new architecture, almost the same one really with a few tweaks. If you look at the design of Ampere, it needs GDDR6X to be close for the signaling and the latency to be good for the performance. This is something told to me and that I communicated to people before the cards even came out. Like, look how close those RAM modules are to the die compared to usual. All right, so if you look at the 12-gigabyte model, there's not much room for more. So from <laughs> my perspective, so what they can go from 384-bit to what, 448-bit? I think that's been done before on some cards. You can make a 448-bit card. There's no reason, guys, you couldn't, like, make it, what? so what would that be, like, a 14, I think a 14-gigabyte card? Like, there's no reason they couldn't have a 14-gigabyte, 4080, and a 28-gigabyte Titan. That makes some sense to me. And actually, that amount of RAM would probably be just enough, you know, right up NVIDIA's alley of cutting it close. You know, maybe just make a 320-bit, you know, 4070. You know, I—that's I, what I think they would do, but you know, it's just not efficient. So I wonder, like, if they're really going to do that. Uh, they could. That's the only thing I think they can really do, and it'd be really expensive tra- costs. Again, again, that's why the PCBs so expensive because they need to put the. I help. I did some classes designing PCBs in college. Like the closer you make all the tracing, the more expensive it is. It's just there's well, some yeah, real screw
1: ups from that. Yeah, that's where wiring can easily get (laughs) screwed
0: up if all of the wires are closer to each other. (laughs) That's why the Founders editions of Ampere are so expensive. Look how compact. It's like a Theory Nano, all of them, which is cool, but it's not cheap. Um, And we'll get into another example of that soon. But yeah, so I think they should use HBM. I think they should have used HBM with, I, I really do. I think they should have had a 16 gigabyte HBM2 top Ampere card. It would have been more efficient. They should probably just done a 320-bit GDR6X, or not even bother with it, frankly. I just don't <laughs> think it's worth it. Just done like a 384-bit 3070 or something, uh, or TI. I, I just don't think so. I don't think they should use it again. But if they do, consider what they will be forced to do. They're going to be forced to use you know, probably 21. I think they have 23 gigabit now. So that's okay. Another 10, 15%. Then they could go up to 448 bits. You're looking at another like 15%. So yeah, they can increase bandwidth by 50, 60%. They just use the latest GDR6X with a 448 bit bus. And who knows? Maybe on TSMC's node, it just won't be an issue. Who knows? You know, I think that was a big factor with GDR5 is 5X is that it's just Pascal was so efficient. They had room to spare for... And also that was just better than GDR6X, so... QH Freddy writes in, Tom, I hope you get to address this in your 6600 XT video. Well, we'll see. It's already out. There have been some people claiming that the 6600 XT is a good card for mining based entirely on it having around 20% better peak efficiency than other available cards at this time, and that it will drive the prices up on these cards. How do you parse these claims? It seems to me completely unrealistic as you have bigger power and cost overheads due to the supporting hardware. And on top of that, that ROI on these cards is of an order of 2x as long as other cards on the market (laughs) right now. Well... QH Freddy, what I would say is this. I've never seen the uh, any of the RDNA2 lineup as being inefficient in mining, really. I mean, if you undervolt... People go, oh, if you undervolt the 3070, it's more efficient than you think. But eh, I don't know, guys. We'll get to the next story where it kind of calls into question how efficient Ampere really is. And I've always called it into question. Like, my 6800 XT out of the box, I don't remember. I think it was doing, like, 60 mega hash for like 125 watts, and then if I tweaked it, I could get like 65 mega hash, 100 watts. If you tweak RDNA 2, it's pretty damn efficient. The thing is, that's like a 40% bigger die than the 3070. So the 3070 Ampere packs more compute into a smaller space, and it's cheaper apples to apples It's kind of, not really on the street, but you know what I mean, (laughs) in a normal world. And so I I just think RDNA 2 has never been that much worse at mining efficiency. I just think it you can get a bunch of cards out of the box, run ampere better. And I think that I have a link in the description, guys. I was actually told this, again, everyone's acting like, I was told this. I've leaked this first, I believe, or was one of the first, that they believe that in Asia there are mining firms that have already cracked even the most hard LHR 3060 cards. There's actually like five revisions of the 3060 for mining. Surprise, surprise, guys, the 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 mining firms have cracked 3060 LHR. So at the end of the day, I would say that that's gonna keep that 3060 street price up higher too. I forgot to say that earlier. Um and I just I think, look, yeah. I think in the short term, there will be some people that make 6600 XT rigs. This reminds me of my RX 560 rigs, where when other things started drying up, I could get the, six, oh. the 560 for MSRP, and I could actually BIOS mod them to get about 14 to 16 mega hash, depending on the model. So I could almost get to 1060 of fi- like efficiency with these tiny cheap cards, and that was pretty dang good, but that over time those prices will also go up and then you'll just go back to ignoring the 6600 XT well
1: yeah and like if you're a miner you're going to get the things you can the, the cards that are available to you assuming that they mine decently well like even I can't remember the generation right now even with generations where Nvidia is like clearly worse at mining they're, sometimes their cards are more available so everyone would switch to getting Nvidia
0: cards for Ethereum mining yeah Gosh, Reesey, why does Windows 10 Professional have to be so expensive? Don't listen to that, nerd. Listen to me. You can get all the great Windows and gaming keys you need at CDK Offers. I have a plan. Go to cdkoffers.com to get all the Windows Professional and Microsoft Office keys you need, and games as well. Add them to your cart, and you can even apply one of them city or promotional codes like Shrink for 3% off software and Broken Silicon for 25% off all Windows codes. I do have an account on this website, and it is ultra easy to use just submit your order use paypal credit card or bitcoin and go to windows website to download microsoft professional one more time that's go to cdkoffers.com they're a fantastic sponsor of moore's law is dead use offer code dashrink for three percent off everything on the website and broken silicon for 25 percent off all windows products now back to the show speaking of mining a new RX 570 Duo proves the RX 490 was almost a thing in 2016. And so this comes from uh, HXL on Twitter, who shared some leaked some pictures of a new custom Sapphire dual Polaris mining card. Here's the write up. On 813, Moore's Laws did confirm some rather crazy news. Not only Was Sapphire making a dual RX 570 mining card with impressive performance, giving 60 mega hash per second at 125 to 200 watts? Which I do now say 125 to 200 is somewhat disputed if it was just the dies using 125 watts. Mm. But nonetheless, basically, this is a dual 14 nanometer Polaris card that is giving you pretty similar to Ampere mining efficiency for far less, I assume. Uh, But its design is based on an old canceled RX 490 dual Polaris card from 2016. Sapphire, and I did confirm this guys for that video, this wasn't just based on what public info, indeed partnered with AMD on some designs for high-end gaming Polaris cards that were canceled due to concerns regarding production costs, timing before Vega's launch, and driver support. Yes, there was a dual Polaris card but people need to understand that looking at this PCB, that's not what this GPU leaked by HXL on Twitter is. is a different PCB built to be bulky and therefore cheaper to produce, which we've also discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. And it uses some of the remaining Polaris stocks that were put on hold during component shortages. And, and again, so after this video came out, as often happens, I had a few AMD sources reach out to me. One of them said... Oh, for sure, by the way, we were considering several workstation and gaming dual Polaris designs. Most were canceled. Obviously, some of them did come out in the workstation. And additionally, another source confirmed that this card was canceled before the final stages you go through before product confirmation and production. So basically, it was starting to be communicated. Sapphire knew about it first, but then last minute, they were just like, no, let's, let's not finish it and start producing them.
1: I thought it was pretty funny with the uh i think w c c f article that or one of them that you cite in this the, the four ninety initially leaked uh five years ago now by a m d accidentally posting that the four ninety was a card that exists i mean i I'm curious why they decided to cancel the card given that it seems at it seems like at least this five seventy is relatively power efficient at even it's worst, at least, yeah, at 200 watts, which, yeah, I guess I don't know how customized that uh miner was, but well, so you,
0: I'm assuming you didn't watch my video leaking this stuff though, right? Uh, I did, but I, yeah, I did. <laughs> well, okay, so what I say in the video, Dan, if you pay attention, brah, is that I had an RX 570 rig and I got them to, I think, around Uh, 28 mega hash. These were four gigabyte cards with slower memory. Uh, 28 mega hash and I think like 150 watts around there or something Mm -hmm. was somewhere between like 140 and 170. But the thing is, it was dual mining. It was mining Ethereum and Psycoin at the same time. If I was solo mining, I'm sure they would have been like 120 watts. So that's okay. That's a card with older memory. I didn't try that hard to be efficient with them. Consider that if they – and they are, based on the information coming out now, using the latest GDR5 with custom by Sapphire mining (laughs) BIOSes and voltages and uh, memory timings. It's not at all hard for me to believe they could make like a 200-watt dual one that's 30 Mm -hmm. mega hashes. Not hard at all, actually. It's very easy for me to believe that. And that the reason AMD – and so Sapphire must have then worked with AMD on this, and they took some old design – Modified it a little bit more so that... Because if you look at it, it's like a crazy fat card, and that's because it's not going in any case, guys. Um, so it makes it even cheaper to produce for them. And yeah, I, I, I think that had to have come from an old design, and that old design was the 4090, and that 4090 was never released uh, because of a few reasons, right? So number one, like a lot of people were like, RX 480, oh, it's 250 or less, and it beats the 1080 and Crossfire. Oh, so they could make a $500 or maybe even, what, $400, $450 card? I remember rumors swirling around at the time about that. Could they make a $400 dual 480 or 470 that beats the 1080? That would be crazy, especially when you consider back then the 1080 was really a $700 card in 2016's (laughs) holiday season, or more. I saw them for $800 for the good AIB models all the time back then. Um, That's because it was just the strongest card, and it was selling out like crazy. 1080 Ti was not out yet. Now, of course, by the time Vega came out, and a price drop and yada, yada, yada. But what you then need to consider is this. Go look at actual benchmarks of Crossfire. The 480 Crossfire was oftentimes like 10% better than a 1080. So and that's that's what we're going to do. We're going to brag about being 10% better. Well, assuredly using at least 300 watts to get there.
1: And how are the uh,
0: frame times? I wonder on that too. <laughs> exactly. Right. I was told by an AMD source. I don't think I forgot to say this a second ago. Uh, an AMD source told me that this was due to driver concerns that it was just wasn't worth it that it would have required it required an immense amount of work to make the 295 x2 have good drivers for crossfire which it did but like to do that again for a product like so we're putting all this effort into this dual Polaris card. For drivers, like double the work for how many of these we're even going to make. Is it really even going to end up being stronger than a 1080 while using 50% more energy than a 1080? Won't we look like idiots? Like AMD bragged, not bragged, but like pointed out, shall we say, in several presentations for about a month. Oh, if you crossfire the 480, it's 10% better than a 1080. And if you have three, it's like 50% better and it's cheaper. You can even get three of them for less than a 1080 sometimes, depending on the models. And then like people pointing out, yeah, 500 watts if you're using three of them or more and c- taking up a case that. So what are people buying an HEDT motherboard instead for of, three low end cards? What are you talking about?
1: Instead of uh, getting a 1080, I'm going to now buy a really high end power supply and HEDT <laughs> uh, motherboard and mm-hmm. a probably like 150 $200 case to actually fit
0: all of that shit in it which i guess at the time it was before Ryzen, uh, i guess pile driver's mother am3 plus motherboards came with 32 lanes of pcie so i guess you could have conceivably made a budget build with, with a your, <laughs> with your 8350 your 8350 or you know 9590 300 watt yeah your 300 watt dual amd didn't think it looked good that they'd be like yeah go get our 300 <laughs> watt cpu to crossfire our 400 watt graphics card instead of just getting an <laughs> i5 and a 1080 for less like that's why guys
1: and i guess while you're at it also get a computer that's powered by two power supplies instead of one because now we're starting to brush up against the limits you of,
0: need you probably need a 1000 watt
1: yeah and a good 1000 watt because a crappy one might even
0: have issues oh wow uh, yeah a crappy one's probably worse than a 500 watt half the time that's but true. But but I mean and so then consider this as well that it costs more to make than the 1080 probably. And so would they really even make it for less than 500 cuz now this is your flagship gaming card. You're going to want it to feel nice. The 295 X2 sold for 1500, almost triple the price of a 290X. So are mm-hmm. you it's probably going to be like a $550 card. So again, our argument is get our half the efficiency, barely stronger card for Thirty percent less than a 1080, but you need a better power supply. Doesn't make a lot of sense. And you know, Polaris was selling out like crazy. The mining boom was starting to get going a little bit. Polaris was selling very, very well back then. Um, it, it, there were some dips due to overproduction, of course, and it, and eventually they were selling them for dirt cheap. But th- that's what they were thinking: is you know, we're not having a hard time selling Polaris. We're taking the mid-range market pretty well right now. And Vega's right around the corner, which is the final thing I point out in that video. They thought Vega was going to be out late spring. It didn't, but they did think it would. And they knew that would be about this performance anyway, so why bother again? There's just so many reasons not. There's a lot of reasons they did not release this. And it is interesting that it definitely, definitely existed, though. (laughs) Um, And that, you know, I guess the final thing I want to say about this story is I do like that they're making this, though, this is old Polaris stock. I'm told there's probably like a couple hundred thousand line around in warehouses between different AIBs. They stopped making them when there were shortages on power components. Because again, are you going to make a 580 when you could make a 6700 XT with that same capacitor? I don't, probably not. So they just stockpiled the dies and now they're doing the final runs. And this is way better than, I'm not going to say the AIBs names, but I've already quoted it, that there's some AIBs now launching $400 580s. That's ridiculous. This is way better to just make a mining card that helps the market so much more.
1: Yeah, and that's you know mining cards that are now not using uh, new dies that a uh, you know a bunch of three thousand series cards uh, could have been made, but you know whatever. <laughs>
0: Um writes in, if Monet does truly exist on 12 nanometer, which for the record, guys, and I've been told this is real, that it was leaked, I don't even know, like a month ago now, and I've been told around that, I think I covered in that broken silicon that the people I asked said, yeah, this is correct. And Monet is a 12 nanometer Zen 3 quad core APU with, like, I don't know, probably four, two to four, I would would hope four RDNA 2 compute units. But, you know, it's on 12 nanometer at Global Foundry, so that's really cool. And and, and let's be honest, they're making it, guys, because they never need to cut down Saison to four cores, ever. Their yields are mm-hmm. way too good on those 150 millimeter squared chips to ever need to choose that, or 170 millimeter, I think. So, yeah, it makes sense on an old node to try get, trying, this is good practice for them backporting, and because it's basically a half Saison, well, it might just be like, like, even if it loses half of its its efficiencies cut in half, which it probably will be, at the end of the day, you're going to end up making something that is still a 15-watt quad core, 25-watt quad core, perfect for the low-end market. And, you know, Oom's question is, if they're doing this, will this fabled RX 6490 become real? And that's that video I did talking about why AMD would or wouldn't make like a, I don't even yeah. know what I said, it would be what, like a 3240 compute unit. 12 nanometer card that's like 250 watts. So like way less efficient, obviously, uh, than like a 6600 XT for like probably a little less performance than a 6600 XT because instead of running at like 2.7 gigahertz, it's running at like, you know, 13, 1400. (laughs) Like, would they do this though? Because they could probably make it for less. And my answer... Is still probably no, for the same reasons I pointed out there, where it's probably not worth it for the market to do that hard design when they're just going to keep buying up tons of five nanometer capacity soon anyways. Probably not is my answer. But the fact that they are designing some version of RDNA 2 in an APU on 12 nanometer does make me take pause though and go, well, maybe not a 6490, but a 6390, a 7490, like maybe something that is like a $150 card I don't know, with eight gigabytes of RAM next year, uh, maybe. May- yeah,
1: maybe. I, I mean, I think if, as our last story says, like if a bunch of AIBs do have, you know, a small amount of old dyes laying around, that might be what they end up selling instead of, you know, completely
0: designing a new uh a new it, graphics exactly card. Exactly, though, right? Because, and this is something Daniel Nenny pointed out to me. Uh, as part of that video, there's this mini Daniel Nenny interview in there, because I, I reached out to these experts for their expertise, and I'm, you know, speculating on things. He, like, points out, like, guys, TSMC is not capacity-constrained, really, anymore. And while they might be on 5 nanometer, that does not mean they will be on 7 nanometer. They're building new fa- capacity. Like, they're building mm-hmm. so much more. They're spending, like, $100 billion or something insane. Like, Consider then that it doesn't necessarily mean it will help that much to put a graphics card on it when you've already designed it for 7 nanometer and you already have like a Navi 22. Why not just make the 7500 XT be a 6700 XT? You know, why? Just rebrand it to the 67500 XT instead of using Global Foundries because once they move to 5 nanometer, 7 nanometer capacity is freeing up Just like Global Foundries, guys. Yeah. Okay, story number five. NVIDIA blocks FSR support despite its easy implementation. And I have a write-up here. It says, I just want to take the time to discuss this. It has come to my attention recently through some discussions with contacts that Foray seemingly still has no plans to add FSR support as of this month. So that would be to games like, you know, Metro Exodus. Um, And this is not just about that article from May with Notebook Check talking to them, which it's in the description, guys. Um, But it it just seems like they still have no plans for this and that it does seem like there are, in fact, some NVIDIA-sponsored titles with DLSS that NVIDIA is kind of telling devs, you will not add FSR if you want our support, helping you basically make half of the next game. And I just think that's pathetic. It makes no sense to me based on talks I've had with other developers that FSR takes less than a day to implement with great effects. The the best example I've seen is Arcade in. It is a PS5 early access indie game. So think about what that means. This is a person, this is a small dev team limited resources on a console. And they added it. They said in less than a day to a console that's an early access. And it seems to work really well. They're running ray tracing in like the puddles in the game at 4K or FSR 4K. And yes, sometimes the native resolution drops somewhere, but it's like it looks way better right. than it would otherwise. And an indie dev does not have time to program everything to be really optimized. And they said, the fact that we can use ray tracing with FSR means we don't have to do as much pre-baked lighting, and it now runs at an okay frame rate. And they can't use DLSS because they say DLSS is hard to use. And
1: also, it's implemented along with another new version of uh, TAA that's in Unreal Engine 5, I believe so.
0: It's uh, Isn't that though because see, Unreal Engine 5 they just want you to use TSR. They have their own custom version of FSR. Uh
1: yeah, I think it's well what they're using it's like TAAU, so temporal anti-aliasing with upscaling or something like that. So they're using two different upscaling techniques. And yeah, they seem to have implemented it to great effect. The game looks at least visually it looks pretty good. Oh. I don't I know see what about you're the saying. gameplay wise.
0: Yeah. Oh, so you're saying oh and it's a, another game that like had other things and they still said it was worth yeah. it. Okay, I'm sorry for cutting you off there. Yeah, I mean, so again, you know, these some of this kind of made the rounds a while ago, but I think it's resurfacing because, at least in the people I'm talking to, because they're like, well, yeah, they denied they were working on it in May, but it's now, as far as I can tell, they still have no plans to do it. And that's just really pathetic. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so yeah. I need to amend some of my statements, which is to say, Look, we already have some games that have DLSS that have added FSR. So to say all DLSS games won't have FSR is ridiculous. I think a lot of games will both. I think a lot of games will get patched to have FSR and they should be. I just think that yeah, in <laughs> there are going to be a handful of Nvidia sponsored titers, whatever the next Metro game is. And who know, like I'm trying to think of another game, but that are like Cyberpunk I think is one where they are Acting like they're never going to add it, which is good because Cyberpunk's definitely optimized and easy to run, right, Dan? And it's not like there's any consoles that could really benefit from FSR right now. God, what a bunch of fucking uh, just anti-consumer company. But, yeah, it's pathetic. And it's—I get it. You know, for a made Metro last light during a civil war— I get it, but (laughs) I get why they need NVIDIA's funding, but it's still just, it just pisses me off. And I think it needs to be brought to everyone's attention just to understand that I need to amend my statement that every game will have FSR. There's still going to be some token ones from NVIDIA that won't, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let us move on then to story number six. Intel poised to make large quantities of three nanometer products at TSMC, and I'm quoting here, We'll see if it was a mistake from WCCF Tech. TSMC has reportedly won a huge order of its 3 nanometer process node from Intel, who will be using the new technology to develop next-generation chips. Quoting its sources within the supply chain, Chinese—that's wrong, it's a Taiwanese media outlet— UDN has— reported that Intel has grabbed the majority of TSMC's 3-nanometer process node orders for the production of its next-generation chips. The news outlet quotes that production is expected to commence at TSMC at 18B fab during quarter 2, 2022, and mass production for products is expected to commence by mid-2023. By mid the production capacity is expected to hit 4,000 wafers by then. And so, yeah, kind of just skipping ahead here, I have some other stories, one from Tom's Hardware, the original source. Adored TV mentions Arrow Lake should be on TSMC 3 nanometer. There, there does seem to be, at the very least... And there were already rumors of, T, of uh, Intel using 3 nanometer for TSM. some of their ships. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and TSMC 3 nanometer for some of their ships a few months ago. It seems pretty much confirmed now. I mean, Adored and this leak, eh, I think so. And from what I'm told, I've reached out to a source. They're like, yes, for sure it's happening. How? If it's all of the capacity, I can't independently confirm but it would make some sense that they would buy up as much as they can. I, I'll give my opinion as to why in a second. But, like, what do you think about this, Dan?
1: I mean, uh, just to check with the source and everything. Uh, like, obviously, I'm not uh, Taiwanese, so I don't know the mm. news sources from Taiwan very well. It seems like it's a pretty conventional news source. So I don't mm-hmm. see why there's any reason to doubt the that validity I I don't have much to add to that other than that, though, because it's kind of been a thing that we've Mm. at least assumed was true for, or assumed is going to happen to some extent for a while. To some extent, yeah. Intel moving some of its production over to TSMC. like We've been talking about
0: that for months and months now. I don't even know how long it's been. Yeah, I guess what I would say is if they're buying up tons of 3 nanometer, I still assume Apple's buying up a bunch For the beginning as well or something's going on there there's also rumors of like custom five nanometer nodes that amd is getting access to early 2022 so there could be an argument that amd may have like be planning to just use that in four nanometer at the same time and then move to two nanometer quicker who knows um but i do want to address because i talk i was talking to one source about this and he was saying to me oh you know, is this, and a lot of people are saying, Are he asked if this made sense, and I was like, I don't know if it does. A lot of people, a lot of news outlets are portraying this as Intel buying up three nanometer to block out AMD because they're going to have a horrible node. I, I just wouldn't frame it that way. The way I would frame Intel buying up a bunch of three nanometer production is this. Does anyone remember the massive, massive, Capacity problems Intel had on 14 nanometer before the greater shortages going on with everyone else, it hit Intel first. Uh, They know that capacity is just worth it at this point. And so if I was Intel, I would try to buy up a bunch of TSMC 3 nanometer because why not? There's only upside. Like if their Intel, I guess it'll be called Intel 4 now, what they used to call 5 nanometer. If their Intel 4 Mm -hmm. node is delayed whatever, we're making at least some of our mobile chips, it sounds like, on TSMC's 3 nanometer. It's a backup to if our node's delayed, and even if our node isn't delayed, whatever. We'll just make some products on <laughs> Intel 7, <laughs> Intel 4, and TSMC 3 that we had 14 nanometer product capacity problems, and that was when we had worse products than the competition. If we're to believe, and I believe it, that Intel will be far more competitive with AMD over the next few years, I think they're going to have even more capacity problems if they did when they were inferior.
1: Yeah, that's true. And I, I, the other thing I would also add is um, the, another big part of that story is that, which I don't know what the validity to that is even more so than the AMD, but also buy, was to buy uh, or out-compete or edge out uh, Apple from buying 3-nanometer mm capacity. Right, because everyone, Which,
0: people keep forgetting it, Apple is... Apple buys their newest node usually, right? Yeah, they that was something Daniel Nenny explained. Again, excellent Broken Silicon episode, guys. Um, he explained, yeah, I mean Apple makes smaller chips and they pay the most, so they get the newest node first, and then AMD lately has just been buying up all of the capacity in their wake as they start transitioning to a new one. That's just what they've mm-hmm. been doing, because it just makes sense. So... If Intel's blocking out Apple, I, yeah, like I said, you know, it's almost like, oh, AMD kind of has their own custom five nanometer, possibly, and they're moving to four nanometer, are rumors for like <laughs> Zen five. If that's all, or, or, or like some sort of custom three or a two nanometer, if all of this is true, yeah, it might be screwed over Apple the most, not AMD, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, people keep forgetting this. Apple is just a, uh, <laughs> Although Apple is a huge threat. They are making their own chips, guys. I I wonder if they will become the next Intel. And I was just going to add although I think
1: Apple uh Apple has a lot of money. I think they <laughs> I think they can uh, spend the money they need to, to acquire the capacity they need or I think they could probably outbid Intel as I guess what I'm saying. Yeah, I guess the last thing Unless they don't see it, it as worth it for some reason for them.
0: The the last thing I would say then that you're kind of hinting at is it's like this is technically a rumor. So we shouldn't just take this yeah. as fact still. There's been a lot of good websites that like Digi Times that quote have these like crazy big things about silicon at TSMC. And then like it turns out half of it's wrong. And then half of it's wrong probably because they misinterpreted something, not because they're lying. And so I don't know. I'm not saying what is it, UDN is isn't doing this correctly or whatever, or isn't com- uh, correctly interpreting information they have from sources. I'm just saying that it would be surprising if Apple wasn't making some of it on the latest. Uh, but I guess mm-hmm. we'll see. I guess we'll see because Apple guys, Apple could just buy Intel like five times. Like just they could probably <laughs> buy Intel right now just with cash, not even like moving money around. Just like use that account. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, depends on how liquid they are. I guess that would be a pretty that would be a pretty I, huge I for- acquisition even for them. I,
0: I forgot, yeah, what it was, but it was like someone pointed out that like their reserves of cash were like more than like all of Sony and Intel put together is what I heard. But I could be wrong. <laughs> I think no, I think they literally do just have a lot of cash because they think it's a good idea right now, so they can do crazy moves. Eh, maybe. Maybe you should Google it, Dan, because I'm sure someone could prove one of us wrong. But moving on to Knight's <laughs> question, on the wave of people absolutely losing their mind over Intel buying three nanometer capacity and high volume, how much do you foresee that affecting AMD's ability to supply three nanometer wafers in the future? Honestly, Root Knight, if you ask me this question in that direct of a way, I say I can't say for sure. It's technically a rumor. AMD is undoubtedly bought up tons of 5-nanometer capacity, so maybe they're just doubling down on a custom 5-nanometer node first and then moving to 2 or 4 for some products. It's really hard to say. I mean, and, you know, look at NVIDIA. Uh, They just used 12-nanometer for Turing and did fine against AMD's products for a very long time. So... And I think some people would go, oh, it's just nodes that make AMD competitive. Mm, No, bullshit. AMD's got some good architectures, (laughs) and I don't see any evidence. I always People think I hype up Intel stuff, but it's like, I'm I'm not hyping it up. I'm just the only one saying it's going to be good. I think AMD's got great stuff coming, too, on an architectural level. And Monet may prove how good they are at using different nodes for, you know, so we'll see, you know. Yeah, we'll see. Like, everyone's kind of assuming... Because, like, uh, from what I'm told, Rocket Lake was a better, bigger success than their worst worries, which is hilarious because it sucks. But well, we'll see. Everyone's kind of assuming AMD will be worse at transitioning Zen three to twelve nanometer with Monet, similar Rocket Lake situation. What if they're better? What if they're better at you know using older nodes for newer stuff? Uh, it's just very hard for me to say. Um, inter- uh, at least Root Knight, I'm interpreting your question as meaning. You know, how much would it affect their ability to supply wafers? Well, it affects it. They bought it. But if if your question is really asking how much does it affect their competitiveness, I can't say for sure.
1: Yeah, or their future plans, which, because I would assume AMD wouldn't move to 3 nanometer until, like, what, tw- 2023
0: probably, right? Yeah, end of it, probably. So maybe okay. they don't even need it right away. Maybe Intel bought up the first capacity yeah. and they're planning to launch, like, a Zen 5 at the end of the year. Or, well, I guess that's probably incorrect based on what I just read here, but you, you guys see what I mean. We don't even know how much of it they would want to use right away. Um, all right, that is it. Let us get into the wrap up, which the first que- one actually kind of leads into this, which there is this mysterious Reddit post of a bunch of architectures by a person by the name of Moore's law is not dead. I'm going to be <laughs> honest, guys. I think I might know who this even is that I've talked to. So like, I don't know who, why they would name themselves the opposite of my name, but I, I I just have to say this. This post here, I know about some of it. Actually, I know about pretty much any of it that I think is true. <laughs> but some of it mm-hmm. seems wrongly worded. And some of the architecture's features seem mixed up to me. And so I, would sus- I just want to point out that for big fans of the ta- channel, you guys got to understand that everything, half of the stuff I've literally said publicly. And that I think a <laughs> lot of these websites just haven't noticed. And like, look at even in this Reddit post, this Lunar Lake, this product we use TSM3 as reported by Nikkei. Okay. So this post wasn't the first to say it. To my, from far as I can tell, and the Aerolake thing, Jim said some different things. And I know about Aerolake guys. I don't think Jim's wrong about anything he said. As, I didn't say I Lake like first, just sue me. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you know it. I'll confirm that's yeah, that's a real one. Um, I this just seems like rehashed stuff from from me and other people put together with his own guesses. Some of this is wrong, so I'm just going to directly say yeah. that. Having said that, yeah, I'm working on an intel leak, guys. Now I guess I have to. And I think it's funny Jim references this before he puts out his Arrow Lake video because it's like me and him are now like, well, I guess, shit, I guess we we're going to talk about it before we wanted to. <laughs> but that's the important thing. Like, really, guys? Nova Lake? Yes, that's a real code name. I'll confirm it. Um, but I'm not going to say everything until I feel like it. That's 2025. What I've been told directly from a couple sources, both AMD and Intel, right? And they do differ a little bit, but at least at Intel, guys... Everything till 2022 is locked in stone already. Whatever they're ha- going to have, they're going to have. Only thing that could change is how good the yields are on the node or how they change, decide to segment things. That's it. Now, their architectures, designs are locked in, you know, that's it. Yeah. They maybe change core counts on some SKUs. That's it. None of that's going to change. So it's maybe worth leaking Meteor Lake. Oh, wait, who was the first one to do that and mention stuff about Redwood Cove? Me. So things like Lunar Lake, are not completely done being designed. And things like Nova Lake are literally in like pathfinding. Like they might radically change. In fact, I'm going to tell you guys that what's in Nova uh, Nova Lake and Lunar Lake, the code names have changed just so you know, since six months ago. I'm just (laughs) telling you. So when you ask me, is Darkmont in Nova Lake? Intel doesn't know yet. So that's why I don't leak these things that far away. I mean, will Moore's Laws Dead still exist in four years? Maybe, but... I mean, so leaking this stuff that far ahead is frankly silly. And what did you learn? Nothing. A code name, and nothing about its performance, really. Because by the way, I might leak it. I know some key things about its performance that this guy does not know. Well, I mean, what
1: about the uh big Zen 8 leak, Tom? That that's about to come
0: out by <laughs> there's one no. tech tuber said, I know everything about Zen 6. It's like well, AMD doesn't, so. Um, in fact, when I'm told it specifically, I'm just saying it and being honest right now. AM, like AMD doesn't even talk about Zen 5 a lot right now, guys. So when you see like detailed stuff about Zen 5, again, so what did I say before? At Intel, 2025 is pathfinding. 2023 is being finalized. 2020, wait, uh, 2022, 2023 is kind of locked in. 2024 and 2023 is being finalized around there. A- AMD's isn't exactly the same as that, but it's probably similar. And like They don't even talk about Zen 5 a lot. And let me think. Zen 4's is 2022. So yeah, that's probably not even done. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and by the way, it's, again, like to, I come I haven't even really looked at this in detail until now I'm looking at it. Like Nova Lake will launch the biggest architectural change. I've already said that. Wait, what? Which one is this? Uh, Nova Lake? Yeah, it's like Nova Lake. And, you know, it's like, and some of this seems wrong to me, but like, this sounds, this reads like exactly what I said in a video and a podcast, biggest architectural change and like, didn't I say that literally? Like this is almost word for word what I've said in a podcast. <sighs> Maybe. I mean, and also, what he says in so... performance and CPU. I've said this. This is guys, this is just summarizing what I've said, but he knew some of the code names. Yeah. That's about it. That's all I can say, guys. If you're a fan of the channel, most of this isn't new. I some of this looks really wrong to me, but it will it will end up being wrong because stuff changes in four years. Anyways, let's move on to the rest of the wrap-up. Another big thing worth pointing out is doubt over the arm deal, supposedly. That's been popping up a lot, but NVIDIA just sold a ton of shares. And You mean uh, Jensen? Jensen. I said NVIDIA instead of Jensen. NVIDIA sold its own shares. It's like (laughs) when Trump called uh, Tim Tim Apple. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, Tim, whatever. Whatever his name is. What's his name? Well, it's Tim Apple. It's Tim Apple. Okay. Yeah. The CEO of Apple, Tim Apple. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, I just bring up this article because I've been told from insiders that like the Arm deal might go through, but it's not 100%. And everyone's acting like, oh, it's going to happen. And it's like, no, there's a lot of jobs for defense reasons they want to keep in the UK, guys. Oh, yeah. an Arm's a British company, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's, and, and people go, oh, it's owned by a Japanese. Yeah. But the jobs are controlled. In the UK, MI6 could get involved if they wanted to on things. Hint, hint. There's reasons you want to keep your silicon design, some silicon design companies in your country. Not to say it won't go through, but I'm just saying, I feel like people are too much assuming this will go through and saying Xilinx is the same thing. It's not. There's entirely different reasons ARM may not happen.
1: Yeah. And just from, well, and I guess this is a multinational deal though, but I don't know. All this consolidation at a certain point, monopolies are going to start being called like, no, we're not Letting this happen anymore, this corporate consolidation.
0: Which, yeah, I expect there will be some more crackdowns on that soon. It's a European company, uh, country. Well, yeah, you can argue if the UK is a European country anymore. They voted; they're not apparently. Um, but yeah, let's <laughs> move. They are part of that landmass. They did not no, Dan, vote to they, be on a new continental plate. You talked to some of the people in interviews there. It seems like that's what they think they voted for. So dual, <laughs> all right, another story here. Dual Navi twenty one for Max Pro. So I mean, I don't know. That's interesting. What is this high speed 64 gigabytes of GDR6? Yeah, so but it's probably 32 times two. There is a dual 6900 XT you can get now and an app and a Mac product. That's kind of cool.
1: Can't wait for that to. Launch and for people on Reddit to make fun of how overpriced Mac products are, even though they're not.
0: You, even though you literally can't <laughs> even get this graphics card on Windows. I know. <laughs> uh, also, this came out, I believe, today? No, yesterday as of, of when we were recording this. Yeah, so not today, but um, Navi 31 and 33 GPUs listed. So I guess that's not news, but it's like, well, there you go, Dan. Officially, there's a code name floating around Navi 31 and 33. The only thing I do want to say, though, with some of these leaks, though, is... <laughs> AMD messed with people like crazy a few times during the R- before the RDNA 2 launch. Like they leaked literally false things in drivers. Guys, do you think mm-hmm. they might not be doing this all now? Because that works really well. People, co- A lot of leakers completely effed up their coverage of RDNA 2 because of AMD literally putting false code in drivers. I just would be very careful doubling down on code leaks from AMD anymore.
1: And I've got to say, like just Navi 313233, like... And their discussion here of like the uh, MCM versus monolithic design. I feel like we've talked about these concepts just offhand on the podcast. Like, oh, what if there's a uh, two tile 80CU design uh, for <laughs> RDNA3? It's like, I don't even know how much you can glean from this that you couldn't just glean from educated guessing.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's how it's organized technically, but to be honest, I haven't paid much attention to like these block diagram mock-ups because I don't have time to like go through, okay, wait, which leaker did this come from? Is this one I think Mm -hmm. is reliable? Is this one? And because like a lot of times these leaker websites will just quote mock-ups and then like say, oh, it was confirmed by Copite when it's like, no, what Copite said is it makes sense. He didn't say it's confirmed. Like, you know, and, and I'm not saying that. That's in this circumstance. I'm just saying, like, I got my own AMD sources. I leaked the entire RDNA 2 lineup like a month before it came out. Even cars didn't come out for a year. I'll do it the same way. You know, I'm not going to, like, try to parse together leaks and drivers because I find that to not be necessary. If you can just be patient and then get it right, you know, half a year or a few months ahead of time, and be a hundred percent right instead of the, all this, you know, shenanigans. Where AMD yeah. is definitely uh, messing with people. Another thing in the wrap up: a two thousand seventy-watt RTX thirty-sixty introduced. This is another card that would be funny to mess with. I would laugh if this outperformed the thirty-sixty. Um, but it is a low-profile mid-range card. It's I, I put this in here. I mean, obviously, it's just interesting in and of itself. It's a cool. It's a cool. It, the A series professional cards I think look really cool, and this one's a, a little baby A six thousand.
1: A prop from the movie Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey that they attached to a graphics
0: card, but <laughs> it looks like an. I think it looks nice. But yeah, I think it looks nice. But <laughs> I, I just, you know, I talked about this in the recent die Shrink, which of course patrons have access to, um, about like, why aren't more low-profile cards made? And it's like, well, I just think the gaming market has decided we don't want small cards anymore. We're not going to reward those designs because they used to exist all over the place. And I mean, this is 450 for a professional version of a full die, though, GA-106. 3060 is not the full die. A full mm-hmm. die, GA-106, 6-gigabyte car. A gaming version of this could assuredly be sold for like, or the same price as a 30 less than a 360 <laughs> has less room. Um, they could make a $350 3060 low profile if they wanted to. Right now, it's just the market has decided we'll just use bigger cases or make cases that can fit huge graphics cards that are actually smaller than some yeah. older low profile cases, guys. So <laughs> I, I, it's just, you know, they could make them if they wanted to. Here's proof. They really could make yeah. up to the mid-range, I believe, in low profile. Uh, Gigabyte confirmed 6 plus 8 Alder Lake mobile CPU. Of course, I leaked that months ago. She can, there's some talk about them, the Air AirLake Adored Lake. It's like, mm, we knew what they were doing with their mobile f- a while ago. Intel poaches someone um, from NVIDIA, I believe. I would just say, I've already heard of something called Z Super Sampling being referred to for a DLSS competitor at Intel. Now they poach someone that pioneered DLSS. Suggests Intel... pioneered.
1: Yeah, yeah. pioneered DLSS and also uh, has a bunch of papers on foveated rendering techniques
0: and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So might be a new intellectual leader at Intel. We'll see. Guys, there's no evidence Intel isn't doubling down on making graphics cards, really. There's no evidence. They're not just going to run away. There's no evidence. Uh, Intel removes Canon Lake graphics drivers despite never enabling graphics on Canon Lake. I just think that's funny. I, uh, to add another joke
1: to that, I think it's really funny. The one comment on the article on Tom's hardware
0: is it's a little soon to remove graphics support. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Alder Lake DDR4 benchmarks come out against DDR5. Surprise, it's slower. <laughs> Un- unsurprising? Well, yeah, and this is what, 3200 megahertz versus 4800? Okay, so oh, yeah. I, I would just say, we don't know how well thirty-six or thirty-eight hundred megahertz will work. DDR four is really fast now, and we don't. What was this? It was tested on twelve nine hundred K. So we don't know how much in a lot of real-world benchmarks this will matter. This was done, I think, on. is not this done on User Bench? So even Cares, like, yeah. Let's see. To, yeah, on User Bench. So it's not like this is real world we don't know if the i5 will need more than ddr4 i still think i think it's going to be a lot of both i think at first they were going to focus on ddr4 motherboards for alder lake but then they said oh i guess everyone's buying expensive stuff now let's focus on ddr5 maybe that's also when they decided to overclock alder lake so they could say oh but it's better than the 5950x so buy expensive motherboards almost hedt as we discussed in the last news episode I don't know. I, I'd still think that their budget boards have a lot of DDR4 offerings, and that I'm guessing the i5s and lower won't need DDR5.
1: Yeah, and you know, user benchmark, It's I would think their benchmarks would be valid comparing literally the two,
0: two of the same uh, CPU. Mm. But who
1: knows? User benchmark
0: isn't has that the one that fun manipulates f- things against AMD? I don't even remember which one that was. <laughs>
1: Uh yeah, user benchmarks—the one that like as as soon as uh, AMD started uh, performing <laughs> yeah. well, multi better multi-threaded against A- uh, Intel, they shifted their benchmarks to o- well, uh, as far as I can tell only account for single-thread performance. Well, and then like they there. and then
0: they shifted it again. It's the one where every new AMD CPU lineup that comes out, they change their algorithm mysteriously right when AMD does something better. <laughs> And it's their
1: their website that in their about section has a, uh, not literally, but essentially a fuck
0: hardware unboxed tab. Yeah, which a <laughs> lot of websites seem to have for simply telling the truth. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I would just say I would not read into this much, both in good and bad ways. Look, DDR5, yeah. though I'm told, isn't giving much better results on most tests. My motherboard contacts who are testing these told me, so I, I wouldn't worry about it yet. Um AMD implements a queue for RDNA 2 purchases. So I thought that was worth pointing out just because like the website was down kind of for me once when I checked and it's like, oh, it's because they're not even letting you shop on the store. Well, there's graphics cards that you can get in a queue for. So as much as we give them shit for not having a reference 6600 XT it is selling at MSRP and now AMD's added a queue from their own website. And my understanding is AMD sells substantially more. And I've always said this, I believe it's like NVIDIA's founders are like not even 1% of the production. They don't want Mm -hmm. you to buy them. There's been like two drops on Best Buy and they've only to fulfill contracts is what I found out recently. Um, And basically, AMD's been selling about like 5 to 10% of their production on their website at MSRP and that they don't have to do that. So now that they're adding a queue, it still seems like they're trying to be a little more pro consumer than Nvidia.
1: I think that's a thing that every website is going to need. I mean, what the hell? To do at some point, it like any time a P- tech product is released, it's essentially a, a self-inflicted DDoS attack on your website. So
0: yeah, well, then there was one when Silver Knights came on my podcast, apparently. <laughs> their website crashed when everyone went there to look at their PCs oh. <laughs> to buy. Which, you know, Silver Knights, uh, you know what, friends of the show, go buy their PCs. You know, they actually, if you buy from them, they're not overcharging you and they do a good job. I, I can not i can't say that, but it is funny that I crashed their website when I had them on. Um, let's see, AMD continues to take CPU market share. I don't know if we need to talk about that too much. Of course they are. Um, And 5-nanometer MI200 Arcturus launches end of year. Didn't we already say? I feel like we've confirmed this a million times when it's coming out. I had an Arcturus leak a long time ago, like I think 2019 or early 2020. And I think I've already talked about Arcturus for a very long time. I leaked that it was a multi-chiplet design, I think, in 2019,
1: didn't I? I don't even remember at this point. Arcturus has just been a thing that like pops up every three months, like since your YouTube channel has existed, I feel like in the news. And I feel like we've known everything
0: we needed to know for a very long time. So, yep. Yeah. All right. Let's move on then to the final reader mails. Doomberry writes him, Hey Tom, you've discussed the Super Switch's potential SOC at length, but I haven't heard you talk about the actual physical layout of the console. For example, I'd like better triggers like the PS5. So yeah, like haptics and uh some of the resistance triggers, but I don't really care. I don't really care about the infrared sensor or the advanced haptic motors themselves. What would you like to see changed in the Super Switch's design? Um, I would say it would be cool if they added a more advanced Nintendo controller that you hold when it's docked, especially if the Super Switch is Lovelace in like more than 1024 CUDA cores with DLSS baked in. That could be something that performs not obviously as well. I'm trying to think of CUDA core counts here. Not obviously as well as a PS5, but maybe half as well. And it sounds like maybe better than the Xbox around an Xbox Series S. Having something, especially when you add DLSS, and that having something, you know, where when it's docked, it felt like a full, you know, next-gen controller experience would be smart. Inside the actual portable console, which I'm 100% under the assumption right now, and no one's told me otherwise, that the Super Switch is, again, it's called the Super Switch. It's going to be the same idea. Docked, you know, removable controllers, portable. Mm -hmm. Things like haptic motors, vibration, a trigger that pushes against you, take up space and use battery. So I, I just doubt it would be in portable version.
1: Yeah, and I would also say <laughs> I, I would like to see Nintendo Switch's controller layout not have the face buttons pointlessly reversed from every <laughs> other controller design. That's just confusing and pointless. Uh, we've settled on a standard controller design, uh, get-with-the-times Nintendo. And I also will say I kind of hope they don't call it a Super Switch because I feel like I like a, that
0: name. I, I haven't been told that's the name. It could be called the Switch 2, could be called the Switch Pro, could be called something entirely different.
1: I guess it's not as confusing as the Wii U because I know some less informed people were confused by the Wii U's naming because it just doesn't sound like it's a
0: new console. What if it was kinda? like a crazy decadent, high-end sounding name like the Switch Ultra or the—I almost said Switch <laughs> Supreme. Sounds like a hamburger. Uh Switch Magnum? Maybe not that one. <laughs> not that <laughs> one, I don't think. I, I think that— feels like they're selling something else. Um, I Yeah, I would say, I don't know. I think super, as long as it's a similar layout, though, people would just say, oh, this is the Switch that games in 4K, and this is the Switch that games in 720p. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, It should be radically more powerful, though, so you might argue that you don't want to do that. Um, Tick Dickler writes in, hello, boyos. Tom, I should say, hello, boyos. Tom, you are fantastic on Sacred Symbols. Plus, I could be wrong. But a while back, didn't Sony hate the idea of a PS5 Pro? What do you think changed? The one Upsmanship from Microsoft? You seem really confident in that episode that Sony was making a PS5 Pro. And there's, it's on my, you guys notice, it's on my, Whiteboard behind me, mm. which video cards also tweeted about that. Like, wait, what? Anyone notice that's on his whiteboard? <laughs> uh, is this synergy for their 4K, their 8K TV lineup? Scene NVIDIA get a full console's price by stapling two gigabytes to a 3080. Thanks. And love you, Dan. Your ums are my Nirvana. Clapping emojis. So, no, I mean, look, if there's a PS5 Pro, which I believe there is, and I've been told that there should that again, I I've been told that both companies are working on pro consoles directly that, but that they don't want to tell me anything else because Sony would murder people. Sony can be very controlling, a bit of a control freak. I've heard, uh, when you work with them, which sounds about right for the company. Um, I, I, from my understanding for the whole PS5 itself evolution is this year is about inter- mostly internal redesigns for cost reductions, which I think Colin has confirmed on Sacred Symbols as well. He's really good PlayStation sources. And then 2022 is about the 6-nanometer refresh for a slim to also further reduce mm-hmm. costs. And then 2023 should be the Pro PS5. So if you think about that's coming out, it's probably some already A3-based or later. So again, both the Xbox Series X have customiz- and the PS5 have customizations that aren't, you know, and I, I hate this, but I'm putting in quotes, RDNA2 level, <laughs> you know, they have enhancements. Well, P- uh, Xbox focused a lot on some ray tracing, variable rate shading tweaks. Sony did on geometry and some also like variable rate shading stuff. And, ra- I mean, and yeah, and ray tracing, uh, different ways they've done it. But, I would just assume it's like RDNA 3 and 4 based and because it's 2023 and I wouldn't want to do it, yeah, until they can make something at least twice as powerful and that's what I would expect, something over double the... You know, the PS4 Pro was double the performance of the PS4 pretty much. Better architecture, faster clocks, double the compute units, um, not as much more bandwidth, but Polaris is way more efficient with bandwidth than the rest of GCN, although certainly still starved by it. Uh, yeah, I mean, but AMD's doing way better now than they were back then. If they could double performance at the same price back then with what AMD was innovating at and things are innovating faster, yeah, I'd expect something over twice as strong. So you're looking at something probably, I don't know, right? thirty eighty, no, forty eighty performance-ish, no. yeah. you know? Which again, people are like, no way. And it's like, well, you all doubted that what I said about the PS5 and Xbox Series X performance. It's not coming out this year, guys. It's coming out in a, probably over... Uh, multi, uh, three years. Yeah, three years. From, two, two, three years. Two and a, yeah, <laughs> two and a half years from now. This And and I will also say that I actually think they'll charge 600 or more for it. I do. But I think they will. I think they'll want to make something over twice as strong and that it will be actually more expensive, unlike the PS4 Pro that just slotted in at the same price. Um, in terms of his actual, as kind of a recap, in terms of his actual question about why do they think this changed when I always was told they didn't want to do this, I don't know. I just don't think they I just think yeah, it's competition with Microsoft. Microsoft's definitely doing it, so Sony kind of has to.
1: Yeah, and I'm assuming they would be operating under that, well, I don't they they might know already where their uh, competitors are at internally, but mm-hmm. you would think that they would be working on a design for this regardless of whether it ends up making it to market or not. It's a less than a year old console right now. I mean, this is still pretty Drawing board stages of its development, I would assume.
0: Yeah. Um. Uh. Well. Yeah. It'd probably be finalized like next year or something. They can move a little faster mm. here because it's not like it's like making up a new architecture entirely. Like they can just say, okay, now we know how good this is going to be. Let's lock it in. Um. But yeah. Any, and anything I said about the PS5, just say for the Xbox Series X as well. You know, like <laughs> they're very similar performance <laughs> consoles. You know, it's like, oh, so he says the PS. You well, don't say that. It's ton. like, oh, if you, uh, he's saying the PS5 Pro might be like RDNA3 or RDNA4 based. What about the Series X? I'm like, why well, would it be any different? Uh, but I don't know anything specific outside of that, though. Um, Azun Yan writes in, "Hello, in your discussion about Sony's current disadvantage against Microsoft and the Services Department, I don't think you mentioned Apple as potential uh, partner to Sony. Is that improbable for those two companies to team up? Apple provides quite powerful hardware and robust." robust platform for gaming, but Apple Arcade game selection is a joke. Tying it in with the PSN library, or at least a portion of it, would seem like a sensible move to promote iDevice as a game platform, which Apple seems to at least pretend it's trying to do it every presentation. There isn't that much hardware to optimize for, and the whole lot of extra accessories to sell, not to mention sweet subscription service. The only argument against which comes to mind is Apple not wanting anyone besides them to play it in their walled garden. In any case, we'll be curious to hear your thoughts. So... Is he saying bringing, like, PlayStation stuff to Apple, or... Yeah, I think so. Because because uh, you could almost go, what about Apple designing the PS6? Uh,
1: I mean, I guess so, it, depending on where Apple is, uh, what, like, six, five years from now, I guess, maybe, I... I I feel like they're going to stick with AMD for the foreseeable future unless something changes, though.
0: Yeah, I would think so, too, for backwards compatibility reasons alone. Um, yeah, in terms of, like, you know, we talked, to. there's a really great conversation with Colin Moriarty about how, like, why it makes sense for Netflix and Sony to partner up. Uh, and just, you know, look for that. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's out there. Um, I think Apple... I th- you know, I think the iPhone just supports PlayStation controllers, though. But I don't know. It- it's an interesting question. I almost feel like Apple just wants their own thing, though. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't see it as much as, like... Because, like, Netflix allowing you to stream PS Now to their service makes sense. It's like, oh, now we're competing with what Amazon's doing with Prime Video. Hello? Anyone noticing Prime Video is competing with Netflix, and now they're adding a game streaming service? you would then go, oh, so Netflix's answer is to partner with Sony. And also, Sony used to sell movies on the PlayStation Store, but all of a sudden they don't anymore. And Netflix maybe could yeah. benefit from that. So there's a lot of reasons Sony and Netflix would partner more so, I think, than Apple. But that's really all else I'll say. Tick Decker writes him, apologies for the di- desertion, but what do you think... Dissertation. Dissertation, my mistake. Thank you, Dan. But what do you think of the pricing kerfuffle around the upcoming Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut in case you don't know, which I don't really. Uh the full price on PS5 is 70 bucks, the full price on PS4 for the Director's Cut is 60. If you own the original on PS4 or PS5, you can upgrade. Is this true you can upgrade the PS5 version to the PS4 Director's for 20 or oh so you can upgrade either version to the Director's Cut for the last gen for Whoa. 20 or the next gen for 30. And if you buy the Director's Cut for PS4, you can later upgrade to PS5 for 10. I don't know, it just seems like they're trying to cover all bases here. I says, considering Sucker Punch gave an incredible multiplayer to owners of the game for free, out of nowhere, now offered as a standalone for $20, this is likely Sony's mandate. Is the internet right to be mad, or is just pricing consistency in the face of generational growing pains? Thanks for your time. Well, I would just say it comes off as odd. I kind of see the whole cross-gen thing as semi-temporary, so... It might be more worth it for these companies to focus on gamer goodwill than milking, but that's not the decision Sony's made with a lot of their stuff, it seems. Would they continue to up res remaster and try to charge for it? Um, but at the same time, you know, guys, games have never been cheaper. And $70 doesn't even account for the inflation we're about to go, we're going through right now. Like they just increased game prices for the first time in 2 3 generations and now inflation hits again and they I've heard internally they're like pissed at a lot of these companies like god dang it inflation again so really if, even if we sell games for $70 new in a year it's not even better than 60 a few years ago like these companies uh, the games have never been cheaper and sony and nintendo unlike microsoft actually need to make money when they make things so that's all i can say in sony's defense i don't have much of an co- opinion i would say if you bought let me just put it this way if you bought the original version on PS4 and then now it's 30 bucks to get it in way better graphics with some redone assets with like more DLC, I don't know that that's that bad. They added a new island or something. Yeah, I don't
1: know. It seems like they want to get that extra $10 if you have the PS5 version and they want to make sure you can't game the system to not get it. I mean, to not have to pay it.
0: Yeah, so. I don't have much else to add besides that. I I actually think not enough people are pointing out how cheap gaming really is right now, as everyone complains about raising prices, that some of this is kind of just catching up with what's been going on anyways. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. Maybe they could have made it a little less greedy looking. Couldn't they have? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Root Knight writes him, In the July loose ends, the topic of an Ampere SoC for a new 8K-ready shield was brought up, which made me think of something. Wouldn't NVIDIA be better off targeting TV manufacturers directly to get their Ampere SoC and high-end TVs? So he's uh, some Orin variant, I assume. At the moment, the market is mostly occupied by MediaTek's SoCs, which make okay chips, I guess, for TVs, but significantly weaker than what NVIDIA shipped with their Shield lineup. Um, I mean, uh, here's the thing, though. The top Orin chip, yeah, I mean, it looks like it's going to be as powerful as like a 3050 And I don't know, probably an i5 or something.
1: I I feel like this is an idea we've touched on before is TVs in the future just having chips in them that are capable of running games at like low settings instead of streaming, taking everything over.
0: Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. So having said that, Orin, I believe in its top configuration I read, uses like 65 watts. So I would go, Mm. "Mm, a lot of these TVs don't want to use a lot of energy. like. Do you want to have a thick TV with a big loud fan on it or at least require expensive cooling to not make it seem like it's using more energy than the other TVs? Because either one, something's got to give there. You got thermals to deal with. You know, I think that's a question... At the same time, my gut answer is actually yes, because of what you said, Dan. Just bundle it in and then, like, have, like, the GeForce Now. Say, you know, LG's new TVs, they aren't just good gaming TVs because of the low latency 4K 120 hertz. but guess what? They also just come with the ability to stream GeForce Now, and you can even natively run, like, the the ARM version of Borderlands 2 and 3. Like, you can just play Borderlands natively on this thing, and it actually runs in 1080p. Like, I think that makes way more sense than trying to sell some separate shield console or sh- or streaming itself. Just use this. Bundle a $100 console, because it's probably going to work as well as 1080p 30-frame streaming anyways, guys. Yeah. N writes in, Hi, Tom. I don't know if you mentioned this before, but would it be feasible to have 3D cache on a Radeon 6000 series? Um, So if you're asking, will they put this in future Radeon cards, the answer is absolutely yes. And I think I leaked that first, the 512 megabyte thing at the end of the RDNA 3 Doom video. Um, So look that up, guys. Um, But in terms of Radeon 6000, I don't think so. They always designed Zen 3 with the ability to use V-cache. They just weren't sure if it would work by Zen 4. And it does. But it's not crazy optimized for it. But they, there were always allotments in the Zen 3 design, the SoC, in case they got v working so they could update it with a new generation, and they did. I don't believe Radeon 6000 or RDNA 2 has that. I don't think RDNA... Now, I think the Infinity Cache itself, you know, was kind of a halfway point to them getting v working. They're like, well, we kind of got this system working, but it's going to be monolithic. Um, But yeah, so I think it's going to be in future GPUs. I don't think they can just add it to the current ones as a refresh. If I'm wrong, I'll say it, though. That would be interesting, but I don't think so. I I, I really don't think so. Um writes in, after Bluebox deleted all the tweets about the update in real-time experience, coincidentally after, let's see, after he has a link to something there, do you think it is all a ruse by some internet funnyman? It doesn't really look like a very good scam to me if it's all a ruse. What are your thoughts now that it's unraveling before us? Well, frankly, I think the whole blue box thing is being talked about enough. I think it's obvious, but let's just say this because we did make it kind of one of the main stories of one episode. Guys, I think something's going on. Sony's said nothing and that's freaking weird and it's gone on too long for it to not be something in my opinion. If it's going to be worth it, I don't know. I really think they're kind of teasing a Silent Hills, which I leaked first, you know, last year, that that was being revived. Um, and, you know, and they might even mention Metal Gear Solid. But I, I just, outside of that, there's nothing else to it, say. I'll,
1: yeah, this is, the Reddit post is, or people in the comments are suggesting that this could, itch. I'm not a Finnish law expert, but I would imagine that there's some way to... uh negate the abuse of this system. There's uh, a, apparently a lot of grants in Finland for startup companies. If you can prove you're working on a project, oh, so the, the idea okay. is that this is a fake scam company, but once again, not a Finnish law expert, but I feel like they would have some way of telling if you're just abusing taxpayer dollars uh, to keep a fake company alive for six years. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like
0: yeah, like there would be something. The, okay, yeah, I'm glad you pulled up this link because that completely changes how I think about this question. From Uum, uh, I would say this: the fact that Sony said nothing publicly and gives them like the checkmark, the checkmark on PlayStation Network, which even big names don't get that sometimes, makes me say this is unlikely. Because if if these guys were just screwing around, Sony would come out and so, say we don't know what this is.
1: I would say if. Sony isn't to some degree involved. They're making a, not only are they, uh, is Blue Box screwing people over, Sony is screwing a lot of people over and, by not just, having that sets. And I know they're the company that invented the tur- invented the uh, refrain, we don't comment on rumors
0: or speculation, but I don't even think they've said that at this point. Nope, they did not say that. I uh, Or they probably have, actually. Someone there probably has
1: to someone. Sony should be publicly distancing themselves, like publicly publicly distancing yeah. themselves from them if this isn't something I, I would agree, and I guess that's not saying they it, it couldn't be true. but it couldn't be true that this is some tax scam they're they're pulling off in Finland. But Sony is really fucking up if they haven't said anything yet. And that's true.
0: I, I completely agree. I, I think I think the most, convincing part of the blue box conspiracy is how silent Sony is and the fact that they clearly gave this n- nothing burger studio some kind of access to things that that's for sure the most convincing part of this uh, the conspiracy theory. Yeah, also, again, so I guess we're I think me and you are saying there has to be something to this conspiracy. If there's not, I'm going to be like, it's going to be one of those things where it's like in hindsight, you kind of, though, still look we're a crazier person. If you didn't believe it a little because it's just so many coincidences. It's like, come on, you know, but at the same time, I we don't know if it'll be worth the payoff. We don't know what Silent Hills is. It just a remaster of an old one. Is it a good remaster? Is it a new one, revived by the Kojima working on it? That's what I leaked is pro- possibly going on at last year, but this is such a weird conspiracy that it's like it mu- it better be like one showstopper reveal to be worth it at this point. Yeah. All right, we have one more. Shad Havar writes in. And he says, I "Hope I said that right." Hey Tom, I need a little help. I've been a follower of the channel since almost its inception. And when Broken Silicon 111 with Chris Ray came out, my persistence paid off big time. Since that episode, I've been going full bore with every spare moment I have to become a VFX artist. Yeah, this guy gave some incredibly good advice to aspiring VFX artists. He's a VFX artist that worked at uh, Treyarch at Activision, worked on Call of Duty uh, Cold War, and also is now working at Sony Santa Monica on some game that involves swords, I hear, and mythology. Of course, he can't confirm the game. (laughs) Wait, what could it be? I don't know. Who knows what godly game could go to war in the market next year? Um, Because technically, they haven't even confirmed the name, I don't think, of the next God of War. Um, But which is funny that he danced around the name for a while and I realized it in a reader mail. Oh yeah, they haven't even confirmed the name and that's why he's dancing around the name. <laughs> but yeah, anyways though, he still was able to talk more generally and he gave some really good advice for becoming a VFX artist and Sh- Shadavar continues. Uh, I'm learning Houdini effects via the apprentice version of the program. This is what I'm going to do with my life. I owe you both so much, but I need a little more help if I may. I'd like to ask a few more questions and get Chris's opinion on certain online courses. I'm not afraid to pay money for the online video education I'm getting, but I just want to make sure by the end, I'm the best I can be at this. It's not about the money. It's about the time spent. Is anything worth paying for? Because it'll save me time learning. Thanks for the show. Matt Meldrum, well, thank you for supporting us, uh, Matt. And I would say just, you know, DM the question. You've wrote this Reader Mail, so you could put together, you know, type it out ahead of time and post some of the questions in an abridged way into the Reader Mail channels on the Discord, which you get access to as a patron. Or just DM me on Patreon, dude. (laughs) I probably won't notice it right away, but I will within like a month and then send it to him and get back to you or something. there's a lot of stuff in my mailboxes, so no promises on when I can get back. But if you hear this, I, I'm sure he would comment at least a little if I sent him something. All right, Dan, that is everything. I think this was a pretty fun episode. All the uh, Noticing all the questions and stuff built on each other as we kept going. I mean, what a coherent episode which is very high praise. Unlikely,
1: uh, uh, uncommon for us, but
0: we did it. Hopefully not. But if you do think we're coherent (laughs) most of the time, consider supporting us on Patreon. You know, you get access to Die Shrink, a Patreon-exclusive podcast where you can, you know, you can vote on the new Die Shrink episodes. We talk about all different types of things. We've got one coming out about Google Glass and that stuff. We did one on portable gaming. Um, What's another one I have in there? I want to do one on the AM1 socket. There's another couple ones in there. I think they want us to do one on Nintendo's business models. And like, if we agree, Mm. I think that'd be a fun one to do eventually. And, you know, uh, if you got the extra money, join us there. Again, you get early ad-free versions of Broken Silicon and other content as well. Uh, Yada, yada, yada. Go to the Patreon to see it. Otherwise, you know, everyone, seriously, thanks for listening. Like these, share these, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps a ton. We're starting to climb up the podcast rank charts again, Dan. Uh, by the way. Hell yeah. Which I they're half manipulated, but still helps us get exposure, guys. So everyone go download every episode of Broken Silicon from the past month a hundred times right now, please. I actually, I don't think I can legally ask you to do that. I don't know. I think it might be against their terms of service. It, yeah. no, <laughs> don't, don't do that. Definitely don't do that, not winking. Um, But yeah, you know, thank you to the people in the free feeds, of course. You know, there's many ways you can help us besides don't you know giving us money if you don't think it's worth it to do that or or you don't have the money. And uh we appreciate all of you. Now let me stop rambling. Any last words, Dan? No, I don't think so. All right. Bye. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Laws Dead podcasts, videos, articles, and other media. However, I don't do this alone. Moore's Laws Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co hosted by my brother, Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and special assistance by Carbon Cry. Find all of our information, including the information of sponsors you can support, at www.moore'slawsdead.com. If you would like to send fan mail or hardware to us, please mail parcels to Moore's Law's Dead at P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. And speaking of fans, patrons are what makes Moore's Law's Dead content possible. The aging business model of spamming ads all over the content is dying. The future of media will be built on fans paying for the content they actually want to exist. And so if you have the extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on broken silicon die shrink and loose ends, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord, full of like-minded people who would love to meet you and talk to you about computer hardware. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to ad free episodes of Broken Silicon, the entire back catalog of Flyover States podcasts and other projects, Moore's Laws, that is done, and thanks in the credits of videos and other perks as well. And hey, if you can't afford to support us, please do share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media, Reddit, and forums. And give Broken Silicon a five star review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app. All of this really does help so much. And if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, hire Tom for consulting, or are a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address MLHBDead at gmail.com but as i said this podcast would not be possible without its patrons supporting it and so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans the following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels Brad Medlin, Talos, GUK, Benny Berlin, Justin Yacht, Thomas Rupp, I Love You, Lynn Ivan K., Tom Bailey, Muhammad Akawari, Frederick Lau, Metrocore, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Herod Drita Full, Phil S., D31337Antics, The Ninth Dude, Greg Renegar, Josh Law, JBG, Travis Gooding, The Mechanical Philosopher, Lebo Kinkilo, Fatboy Disaru, Daniel Hyde, a guy in PA81, Nathan Mose, Cole Addict, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, Juan Garcia, Matthew Landavazo. My name is nobody. Johnson N. Alethros, Jensen Wang, Hey, there's a kitty. Greg T. Wonchek, Ivan 214, John Jameson, Benjamin Cannon, Matthew Lane, Mark Raidmaker, Giant Rauner, Chris Lakata, Michael McKee, Ali Robertson, Eric Jackson, Jonathan, Patrick Grow Evan Dingle, Dominique Cox, Stefan, Original Ross, Tick Dickler, Joaquin Hagen, Total Silos, O'Connor, Michael Costa, Andrew S. Blake, Aaron Keith, Gregory S. Acker, Endless Loggins, Thompson, Filippo, Justice Brennan, Zuzu Taylor, Trevor Powers, Sue, Alenia, Nanyan, Daniel Nishpal, Franco Frederick, Dan Galinowski, Alex Carastillo, Dark Reign 2049, Lane Perry, Joseph Caraman Brett Summers, Judd Y, Danovan Russell, Nicola Slicky, Martin Porcegi, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, Ulam, Patrick J.S., Justin Staples, Freddie Canoes Jr., Stephen Coates, Kiwi Phil, Dehuu, Sarah Light, Anthony Gareffa, Brett Summers, Eddie Del Castillo, Joseph Loria, Luis Correa, Deke, Cheesy Ramen, Raul Ebeneni, Tim Robbins, jake Dude, 23 Brian Riggleman, Justin Gower, Caillou Mark Kelly, Dave McCoy, Valco Malev, Gabe Langner, Ronnie Kalik Souza, Michael Deaton, Thomas Summers, Maurice Courtois, Wesley Sager, Scott Ref Schneider, Mai Sharona, Y. Trui, Roman, William W. Draper, Air Rats, Wakir Khan, Henry Zhang, Stephen Hart, Christopher A. Butler, Greg, Peter Moore, Amiable Chief, Justin Thomas, Sam Miller, Sammy Malas, Kevin Chen, Shakir, Nick Raken, Holden Mobley, Matthew Lazier, R. Pete Sharma, Mead and Pork, Jimmy NG, Mats, Garanadin, Benjamin Oshley, Zijitz, Shield TV, Kuto, Aaron, John Wissink, Sam Vensel, Mark Mitchell, Brucha jeremy so james anderson jesse jess awayak ian clifford tyler lindley mjb1 gordon freeman michelle pell and of course thank you to sahara for the music